The garden help you need. Now, Mid-South Gardening on the Mighty 990, powered by Palladio Home and Garden, with your hosts, Veda Vance, Kenneth Mabry, and Jim Crowder. Good morning, and welcome to Mid-South Gardening. I'm here today, and Kenneth's yes. with me today. It's like I've been gone for a year, it you know? It does feel that way. But, but you had some great guests on here. You had uh, Cliff, the irrigation doctor. Yeah. I bet that was a that lot was of great. stuff to yeah. talk about. And then Wes Hopper. Yeah, the, uh, the tree whisperer. Yep. Yeah, but he's actually the, uh, it's not really the park ranger. It's a little bit more dealing with trees i guess for germantown oh yeah and of course he's for every tree there is in the world <laughs> you know i've heard there are arborists out there that say yeah just take the tree on down and then yeah. there are arborists out there that say hmm you know we need to try to do this to preserve this yeah tree. let's you know? love on this tree a minute <laughs> i guess it's like any other profession there's one end of the spectrum to the other yeah well you know i ask a lot of questions on the homeowner's um view of yeah. trees versus you know what an urban forester would do and one thing about cutting the crepe myrtles back and he's kind of like um we are it's like no yeah but yeah to make them fit in your space yeah sometimes you need to and he says crepe myrtles are so tolerant that you know it doesn't kill them or hurt them badly but it just they just grow differently but there's nothing worse than seeing that crepe myrtle that's been cut back for 10 years yes. and you've got that those huge knuckles mm-hmm. sitting there you know that yeah. just knuckle where all this flimsy little growth <laughs> comes out of and then of course it's got crepe myrtle bark scale yes. and it's got black sooty mold all yes, over it and you're like what, I see. What, what is the you know right. do something with this crepe myrtle <laughs> exactly <laughs> we have them like we have them at uh, work and then the sidewalk that we go down to get to the other store the other building the yeah. other building yeah there's crepe myrtles planted along it and they kind of arch over the top well they really need to be thinned out somewhat uh, to make them look better but the owner doesn't believe that that if we thin them that they'll still have that arch over the top but you do you just sometimes you got to take some select branches out because i mean our, our crepe myrtles and trees aren't in the forest environment so they don't self prune mm-hmm. so to speak mm-hmm. so anyway it was very interesting well that's pretty cool i mean because we preached that you know forever yeah but yeah. then I was I was driving home the the other afternoon after work, and I noticed that this yard that had irrigation, mm-hmm. uh, the irrigation crew, the guy was out there uh, blowing the air out of the irrigation uh, system. Mm-hmm. So they were winterizing their irrigation system, and I'm thinking, hmm, uh-huh. it might be a little early for that. Yeah, I mean, you know how bone dry yes. it is out there right now. It's this is just crazy. I mean, the Mississippi River is low. Well, I mean, you know, we went through this bone dry period mm-hmm. in the summer when it was 108 degrees for yes. two months, right? Well, it's cooler, thank mm-hmm. goodness it is, Veda, but it's still just as dry out there. Yeah, it is. We we need to think differently. But, you know, that was the thing. Um, there's so many systems to irrigate that, I mean, to, to winterize, I get yeah, that they're having to start early but i'm getting that but my point is whether you have irrigation or not and whether you have irrigation that's already been shut off for the winter 
you better be making your rounds with your water yeah, hose, is what yeah, I'm saying. You're exactly where that's I mean, because it is so dry out there. I got back from out of town, and the first thing I did, well, the next day, <laughs> uh, was water. I mean, I watered like, I mean, I had to. Yeah, I bet. Uh, of course, I was gone a week, mm-hmm. and of course, not one drop of rain, you know, has come yeah. down at, on my property. Uh, and it hasn't rained a drop this week since I've been back. Mm-hmm. Or do I see it in the future? Well, the next week, anyway. I think there was a 20% chance maybe a week from yesterday. Yeah, and I'm like, so don't even say that. So 20% is going to not happen. So I'm just bringing this up because, I mean, people are having their irrigation systems already shut down mm-hmm. or in the process of being shut down. So, you know, and a lot of people just rely on that irrigation system to do mm-hmm. their watering, which is wonderful. That's why we have them, right? Yeah, right. But if it's not coming on every other day like it should or every day like it has mm-hmm. been, then don't forget about the water. And usually when it's cooler in the fall, we don't really think about it like we mm-hmm. do in the summertime, honestly. Mm-hmm. But you know how much damage we are still seeing from last winter and this summer that we had on on shrubs and trees out there. So I'm just saying, look, guys, it's not over yet is all I'm saying. It's really not. It is not. And I I was thinking on the way in, um, in September, probably Mm -hmm. the beginning, we were like, it's fall, y'all. And then we had summer again. And that was our second summer because well, we get the faux fall and then we get the second summer yeah. and then we get fall. But yeah. winter comes immediately at about three days of fall. <laughs> exactly. And I don't mind. I mean, I, I love cooler temperatures. I love fall. It's one of my favorite seasons. But like I said, usually we have a little more of a wet fall mm-hmm. than we're having. I mean, but the whole year as a whole has been just so bone dry. And, you know, I'm telling you, every day people are bringing in samples, they're bringing in pictures mm-hmm. of, you know, some of their landscape that are in the process of dying or already dead. And they're like, what do you think the problem is? And then I said, nine times out of 10, especially this year, it's been a water issue. Mm-hmm. Whether yeah. it's staying entirely too wet or whether it's just not getting enough water. And most of it is just, it's just not getting enough water. Yeah. And because we are going, waiting a little longer to water each plant, and then it just re- rolls off the sides, too. You have to put a screwdriver or something in the root ball in the containers to get the water to go through. But I was just scratching my head. I, I could hear the air coming out of that irrigation system, could blowing all you? that water out. And I'm thinking, no, it's, man, yeah. I, I get it. I surely understand what you're mm-hmm. doing and why you're doing it. Yeah. You know, you have to winterize these systems. I'm sure Cliff talked about that. Mm-hmm. But... Man, it is it still yes. dries all I'm saying. And it's going to be for the next week or so. Well, this is where good soil helps you. Oh, you Lord. know, cuz if your soil has been prepared <clears throat> with the proper amount of compost, then the soil absorbs the water. It doesn't repel the water. Um, good soil allows the roots to dig deeper so they can go a little bit longer True. without the the water or have less damage. Well, and I know in my front bed of my house, I've, you know, I told you I used that soil conditioner mm-hmm. yeah, uh, as yeah. my top dressing, as my mulch, which, you know, is a big time no-no, okay? Yeah. You do not want to use soil conditioner as your, as your mulch because it really is so tight that it just kind of repels water. But anyway, so I'm in the process <laughs> of blowing it out and raking it out yeah. for the most part, okay? And I haven't gone back in so far, which I will this fall, and remulch that front mm-hmm. bed and that soil on the top 
I mean, it's it's, it's crusty. It yeah, it's. I mean, so I need to put a layer, like you're talking about, Veda, of compost down uh, before I put my mulch down on top of that bed. Yeah, that's see, that's a great. I mean, I just have to do it. That's a great thing to do because we're just you're just replenishing the soil with the good nutrients, microorganisms, and stuff. Because when it gets really dry, the microorganisms cease to work, or, or you may even lose some of. Well, them. when I start seeing cracks <clears throat> in the front bed, <laughs> you know, yeah, I know there's a potential problem there. Now, maybe if I'd had mulch on there the whole year, you know, that mm-hmm. that wouldn't be an issue. But that bare ground that's been laying there for the last couple of months, I mean, it is hard as a rock and it mm-hmm. is dry as a bone. When I say dry, I mean, I'm watering it, of course, yeah. now. But So when you put the compost down, are you going to kind of chop it in? Or I don't just think so. It, I'm going to just put a layer of compost down and just come back and put a layer of, of, of good mulch on top of that. Yeah. Not soil conditioner, but mulch on top of that. Well, yeah, because like on the compost... Mm-hmm thing is at the at this moment when it's raining it's turning into like a tea the water and all is taking the nutrients down into the soil and then as time progresses it starts just working together and breaking down and keeping the soil healthy and loose and then when you put the mulch on it that's helping with the soil erosion it's actually helping benefit the soil web and all because we're protecting the surface from the hot sun, even hard raindrops. Absolutely. You know, yeah. so I got to re kind of refurbish my front bed. Mm-hmm. So yeah. that's, and I'll do that, of course, this fall. And I'm, I'm going to do some watering and also. <laughs> I haven't put my hose up yet. But I also, Jan, one of our listeners, she said, Veda did a fantastic job holding down the fort while you were gone. Kenneth, you owe her a spa day and a huge cup of coffee. Oh, listen to Jan. So, Thank you, Jan. Oh, Jan, thanks for the pressure. <laughs> no kidding. I love it, Jan. We're buddies. Yeah, y'all All are. Right. <laughs> All right, we're going to head to a break real quick. We'd love to hear what's been going on in your garden. Um, give us a call at 260-5926. Good morning and welcome back to Mid-South Gardening. Give us a call at 260-5926 or you can watch us on Facebook Live. And then if you miss all of this morning's uh, festivities, I should say, mm-hmm. you can always go back and listen to the podcast, kwinradio.com. It's always there, but they're lined up, you know. Yes, it's wonderful. You and y'all go- share the podcast, too. We want everyone to be able to grow beautifully. No doubt about it. But 260-5926, of course, is the phone number up here. Well, as Veda loves to say, y'all, it's fall, y'all. And I mean, I think I can officially say that with these cooler temperatures we're having in the morning, not so hot during the day. Mm-hmm. I mean, beautiful fall weather. Now, it's still dry, like we just said, the last 15 yeah. minutes. So be aware of that. But people are starting to get into the fall mode. Mm-hmm. Yep. Some, yeah, it's pansy planting time, and we're feeling like we're still in July. Yeah. But we're knowing we're just going to have to start doing it. Well, it's it's also tree and shrub planting time. Mm, I mean, yeah. it's, you can plant anything you can get your hands on. That's what I tell people this time of year. You know, if they're looking for something to plant. Now, you might not find quite the selections Mm -hmm. this time of year that you find in the spring, but actually fall is the best planting season there is out there. You know, for example, if you're looking for a particular type of hydrangea, Mm -hmm. you know, maybe you can't find it this time of year because there's only 8 million varieties out there now. But but if you can, if you can get your hands on what you're looking for, uh, fall is the best planting season. The reason being that, as you know, is if you plant, let's say, this weekend, you're planting shrubs this weekend or trees this weekend, 
Well, first of all, you're not dealing with the heat in the next month or two from now, right? Yeah, was, yeah. so we're not going to be 108 where the right. plants can't breathe. So you've got you know the rest of the fall, really the winter, and the spring to create a really good root system on whatever you plant before next summer's heat gets here. So, But you still go through all the motions. You know, dig mm-hmm. the hole typically just as deep, twice as wide, really amend your soil. And that's where a lot of people get confused. They don't understand what they mean by amend the soil is a lot of times they want to take all of their native soil out of the hole and put in brand new topsoil, garden yes, soil, whatever. Yes. You're not, no, no, you're not replacing no. your soil. You're just adding amendments to our clay soil to make it more porous, mainly for drainage, okay? So you work that stuff in there, you get it planted, come back and mulch it in and water it in, and you're really done other than maybe some, you know, periodically doing some watering out there, especially mm-hmm. still as dry as it is. Yeah, you are. You're basically done. Now, if you don't do all that amendment, you're not basically done because then you're working extra hard, actually, to keep something alive or you're going to be replacing it. But like you said, you put good soil and all of that and you're done. Yeah. But wouldn't it be, I mean, it would be awesome if we could dig a hole and plant our tree or shrub in the hole and put our dirt right back in there and water it in and walk away. Don't you have people from other parts of the America I that guess tell down you in the that? Delta, you yeah. can do that. But, you know, around here with our clay, which is great, don't get me wrong, we just cannot get away mm-hmm. with that. It will hold, I mean, you, you're creating a bathtub is all you're doing. That's going to just hold too much water. Yeah. So, and, and when we always say dig just as deep as the root ball, mm-hmm. but twice as wide. Yeah. The reason we say wide is because we want excessive moisture to wick away from the root ball. Yeah. Not just set up under that root ball. Yeah, which it will if you take your soil out and just put compost in there. And you dig a hole that's three foot deep and it only should have been 12 inches. Yeah. Yeah, they, I do see that. So where it's all it's stuck down in the ground yeah. and it can't breathe because it's, you know, we're supposed to, well, like we say, you know, you can have about an inch sticking up out of the soil. Of oh, the root ball. Absolutely yeah. you can. Yes. And um, because that's going to help. And then you can just build your soil up to that root ball. Just berm up to it. Yeah. And then, you know, kind of add some soil over the root ball, but n- not two inches worth of soil. And then when you mulch, don't put it right up against the plant. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's that's the biggest things I see planted too deep and stuff around the crown. Yeah. Yeah. So um, <laughs> go out, you know, and look in your yard. This is the time that I find where, you know, when the leaves are dropping and all, mm. you're easy, it's easier to see the soil and what's happening with each plant. Well, and speaking of that, Veda, I think I'm going to, as far as the lawn goes, Uh, I'll probably cut my grass either late this afternoon or sometimes tomorrow afternoon, but I believe I'm going to raise my lawnmower about half a notch. And just, I mean, that's going to be the height that I'm going to have growing through the winter. Mm -hmm. You know, because I really don't want my lawn too short, you know, not scalped. Because it'll it'll damage your lawn. Sure, I want to have that good thick blanket out there Mm -hmm. uh, for when it gets really cold, whether it's December, January, whatever. But I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to raise it half a notch. It's already about two inches. I want to go to about two and a half inches, uh, even up to three inches uh, as far as the height of my lawn. So, yeah, you know, I, I, I kind of like the little shorter cut look. To me, it's a little more manicured. Mm-hmm. I mean, there I go, but, with, you know. With, yeah, with the manicure. Yeah, but, but you're going for the protection. Absolutely. Yeah, that, you know? that makes sense. So kind of keep that in mind. Because what if we have a continuous 
continuous dry season, Mm -hmm. then it's going to make things more vulnerable to the deeper cold that we may have. So you're protecting the moisture right now. I mean, if you have, like I said, you want your trees and shrubs fairly healthy with, you want them mulched in Mm -hmm. before winter gets here. Well, I'm doing the same thing to my lawn. But I'm not adding mulch to my lawn. I'm just raising my lawnmower up half a notch. That way I'll have the grass is going to be my mulch. The grass itself yeah. is going to insulate the root system of my lawn. Yeah, exactly. You know? Exactly. So, and it's, but if you were, if you had a lot of grass and then you mowed it down to the point where you had to rake it or bale it, <laughs> you don't want to leave that out in your yard. Yeah, I've got uh, some notes about talking about thatch. Yeah, you know? yeah, good old thatch. Yeah, but, but also, I know we got just a minute, Veda. You know, there's so many plants out there that I, there's no way the consumer can't be just cross-eyed from time right. to time. Agreed. Yes. I, you know, I'm telling you, it's just there's so many mm-hmm. to choose from. It's just like overwhelming sometimes. Well, we know we've got violas. You know, we've talked about violas a couple of weeks ago. The viola is the little Johnny jump up that has the little bloom that's yeah. more cold tolerant than pansies. It blooms more prolific, but the blooms aren't as big, right? That's why a lot yeah. of people like the pansies. Where and you know about this also. There's also the panola. Yeah, I like the. <laughs> I know, but is that did the po- panola kind of take place of the was was it uh, what we call it, CB? Yeah, was CB the. I can't remember. It was the other variety of pansies that we used to have all the time. But anyway, that didn't matter. Where were you going? But the panola is a hybrid cross between violas and pansies. It's very cold hearted, just like the violas are, uh, which is good. Mm-hmm have tons of bloom, uh, and the blooms are larger than a viola, yeah. but smaller than a pansy, right? But it's like a viola on steroids is what it is. Yeah, that's a good way to put it, yeah. But but think about it. I mean, people come in and go, you know, do you have violas? Yes, mm-hmm. which are Johnny Jump Ups, and people love them for all the different reasons. Do you have pansies? Of course. Well, what is that? Then you tell them, well, that's a panola. And they're mm-hmm. like, what oh, did you like, just please. say? So that's a pansy and a viola. Yeah, a cross between the two. <laughs> So you get the best of both worlds. Yeah. We always want that, don't we? The oh best of both Lord. worlds. Yes, we do. <laughs> but I do like all three. There's no mm-hmm. doubt. In fact, I've seen all three growing together in containers or even in beds. But just remember, the little violas, smaller blooms, mm-hmm. lots of bloom, a little more cold tolerant than, say, just a typical pansy. Mm-hmm. Meaning, there again, you'll get more blooms in January and February yeah. than, a, than a pansy would. And then the panola. Right. Which is like the viola on steroids. is It's basically the same thing as a viola with a bigger bloom. Yeah, that's easy. Or, or you could say a regular pansy with a smaller bloom. <laughs> <laughs> that's one see my sound, point here. Yeah, one sounds optimistic. One sounds. But and here's the other thing: the colors. Oh my word! Again, like I've can I've got room for five colors maybe of uh, pansies, space you know to put them and. Then when I'm looking at the hmm. 20 varieties to order from, I which know. five do I pick or, or 10 of the colors, it, you know? And then it's like, how many violas versus pansies? You know, at one time, violas sold a lot less than pansies oh, did. Oh, yeah. But I think, but especially with the new colors in violas. You're right. There's one, I think, lemonade or sherbet or something like that. It's so delicious looking there's so many there's so many out there and same thing with pansies so many different colors and even panolas now mm-hmm. so many different colors but you mentioned you know it, crystal bowl yeah 
That's the CB yeah. that I was talking yeah, about. Yeah, you're exactly right. Yeah. Way to go, Vader. Just Pull that me. out of that yes, brain. Yes, I did. But uh, whether you're doing violas, whether you're doing panolas, or whether you're doing pansies, I mean, you, you still treat them all exactly the same. They all need more sun than shade. They need well-drained mm-hmm. soil. They don't mind soil that's high in organic matter. I mean, what doesn't, really, yeah. if you think about it? And they also don't mean uh, don't mind being lightly mulched in uh, before cold weather gets here Lightly. because because we've mm-hmm. seen where pansies will try to heave themselves out of the ground. That's right. I when when the ground that. freezes and mm-hmm. thaws, I mean they'll kind of just push themselves yeah. up. So a, a light layer of mulch around all of these plants is is a really a, well, a think the way of, to go. Think about this because okay, growers have to grow in a pretty good amount of peat, which can float. So if you're planting your pansies but not breaking up the root ball some, if it's like just a lot of roots, if you're not breaking up the root ball some and then it rains and it's cold, that little peat that floats just pops right out of the soil. So that's another reason to have good soil and break your root ball up some. And and a light layer of mulch right there on top. Yeah, definitely the mulch because that's if we do all that, That's going to make it better not to pop out of the soil, but we are in Memphis and the up and down weather causes that Exactly. But I was going to ask you, I know we got to go to a break. You know, Veda, if you had a container, which one would you plant? We already know. You would do all three. Exactly. You couldn't stand it. I couldn't either. Uh Uh-uh, I can't stand it. And then you'd have, we'd have to, like... The small bloom, medium bloom, and large oh, bloom. Oh, you have to stagger them in there. Yeah, would I have to stagger them? But you know what I'm liking is that kale, that that mammoth kale. The peacock. Monster kale. The, the one that's real tall. Yeah. I love it. All right, y'all. We're going to go to a break, but you need to call us at 260-5926 or uh, visit us Facebook Live and post your question. Good morning and welcome back to Mid-South Gardening. I'm Veda with Palladio. Yeah, and I'm Kenneth with Dan West Garden Centers. And it's good to see you, Miss Veda. Thank I hadn't you. seen you for a couple of weeks, young lady. I know. It's been um, saddening without you. That's a good answer. Yeah. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I was think thinking, I did. I was like, what am I going to say? <laughs> um, but I did want to say that there keeps going around on Facebook that I'm selling puppies. Done everything I can to make it stop, but I'm not selling puppies. So hold on. So you've got a... Facebook account, yeah, with your name and everything, yep, and it's got puppies for sale, yeah. They but hacked it, but it's not it. even. Oh, they hacked yeah. you! Oh man, and, and then change the password, everything. So you can't, I can't get in there, even, yeah. So I and then people are keep reporting it, and I keep getting. Uh, well, no, I don't even get. I tried to report it on a new page that I made, you know, right. like, because it ended up on my new page. Right. So I tried to report it, and then it came back, um, no, everything's fine. <laughs> and I was like, I can't get past that either. Isn't that horrible? I mean, it so is. people are hacking people's accounts, and then they're putting puppies for sale mm-hmm. that are you Not have nothing even. to do with, of course, because your account's been hacked. Yeah, and so they're paying this person oh, like $150 and then tell them to pick up... And then they can't pick it up. Well, and no, it because says, it's all a fraud. It says right there, I work at Palladio Garden. It's got all, I mean, one of our listeners, this hacker actually replied to one of our listeners very rudely and blocked her. And, you know, she said she was heartbroken, which I don't blame because she thought it was me. That's crazy. I know. So I don't have puppies for sale and y'all pass it around and I'm trying so hard and 
to make this happen. Yeah, they don't. I mean, there's good lord. There's no phone number to call and go. Can you help me? No phone number, and I just have Facebook, so I can post pretty pictures. That's crazy. <laughs> well, we were talking about uh, violas, pansies, and panolas a while ago. Yeah, uh, I like saying the word panola, of course, as you, you can like you can tell panola. now, right? Panola. Yeah. Um, well, but also when you get all these bedding plants planted, this is the fall color, of course. Now your violas, your panolas, and your pansies, they'll bloom all fall. Uh, you know, they'll hang around in the winter. Yeah, you know, that's kind of what they do. Yeah, winter doesn't kill them. They just kind of hang around. Yeah. And then uh, on nice sunny days in, you know, January, February, you know, you'll start getting bloom again. And then when it gets hot next year, of course, it's time to take them out and put your spring stuff in. But you do want to feed, uh, and we've talked about this before, feed your pansies and volas and panolas. There's a million things you can feed them mm-hmm. with, whether it's a liquid plant food that you spray or pour there's granulated fertilizers like the uh, you know the pansy food, which mm-hmm. is the what seven twenty two eight that you sprinkle around them. Uh, beta. So yeah, I mean you still want to feed these these plants. Yeah. Uh, and yes, like said, you do. Yeah, and I like like the plant tone, garden tone, and I have to tell you that okay, container gardens, right. and I had hibiscus. I still have the hibiscus planted in the containers, and I was really um, I used good soil. But, of course, the plant's going to utilize it quickly. Mm-hmm. But did I go back through the season and fertilize, you know, more often than not? I actually didn't the whole season. And every, they were still blooming and all, looking fine. And then I threw some plant tone mm-hmm. in the containers. I thought, man, I, they've got to be starving. Threw the plant tone in the containers. Mm-hmm. And those hibiscus have more blooms than I've ever seen. And then you realize how well they can bloom. Yeah, you know? right. I mean, they just they just have so many buds on it, just triple what I've uh, had. And just it was just a quick handful of fertilizer that I threw. It was the plant tone that I threw into the, the flower pots. Even my elephant ears started growing more. Isn't that crazy? But yeah. whether it was plant tone, flower tone, rose tone, mm-hmm. I mean, any of those tone products... Uh, which are completely organic, completely non-burning. Mm-hmm. You can work that into your soil before you plant. Yeah. You can go in there and feed it as a top dressing after you plant. Mm-hmm. And then, like I said, there's some good water solubles. There's a synthetic water soluble, the the blooming and rooting, which is a 958-9 or 958-8. It's got a ton of phosphate in it. It really <laughs> encourages mm-hmm. things to bloom. And then there's the liquid. I love uh, the Grow Big. Yeah. Uh, yeah are the, the uh, Are the... Uh, the big bloom, but, yeah, uh, which is organic uh, based, mm-hmm. and it, it's a water soluble. So my point is, these are heavy bloomers, so they're also heavy feeders. So make a point to go out there and feed these things about once a month, uh, you know, through the fall and then again through the spring. If you really want to promote a lot of these beautiful blooms, right? Yeah, and also the compost that you use is also going to provide nutrients too to get started and. The liquid, like you're talking about, like the seaweed, um, Super Thrive, or the big, anything that's going to create, now is your time to create the roots. You know, we, I mean, you know mm. what they say about flowers. When you plant, you should pick off all the blooms. You know, real gardeners do yeah. that, but no, most people don't. No, I know that you. if you pick off all the blooms, then, then a lot of the energy is going to the roots. They mm. establish quicker and bloom more profusely but how hard is that to do i'm telling you it's funny that you brought that up because me and another gentleman were talking about that the other day Mm -hmm. and usually when you're out buying bedding plants 
you know, you're buying with as many bloom on them as <laughs> yes. you possibly can find. Well, it really, in theory, well, not even in theory, <laughs> really, Veda, it should be the other way around. You should be finding plants that have no bloom on them, mm-hmm. like you just said, because when you put them in the ground, you really want to concentrate on the root system first. It's not going to happen. People yeah. are going to buy them with the blooms on them. I can't blame them. That's, what, that's the way I look at it. Yeah. Yeah, me too. It's like when people are picking their uh, colors out and I'm going, you know, you just got to pick a color. And then when I go to pick my colors out, even though I'm around them all day, uh, then I still stand there just like any customer <laughs> and can't figure out which one I want. Just overload, I'm telling yeah, you. Yeah, But it's fun, though, and they're they're fun. So if you want blooms, guys, through the fall, the winter, and the spring, just remember, take a look at the violas, the pansies, and the... Um, the uh, Panolas, Panolas. Now, and there are other bedding plants out there. I mean, there's snapdragons out there. Dusty there's Miller. Dust, you, Dusty yeah. Miller, which is a great contrast mm-hmm. plant. It is. And all, all the cabbages and kale. Exactly, Veda. Yeah. Dianthus sometimes. Mm-hmm. I see those too. I saw a, um, a picture, and it's a picture of a lady, and she's carrying her mom. And it says, wife carefully selects perfect fall moms to kill. (laughs) What? That's so funny that that's a thing. That so many people would come in and go, what's wrong with mom? Why do we let moms? That's the difference between an M-U-M and an M-O-M. Yeah, right. A mom and a mom. A mom. Um, But it's like, what is it that's so universal about us letting moms dry out and kill them? And You know, know? I was talking to a lady the other day about moms. Uh, Of course, the beauty of a mom, I mean, it it means fall. Mm -hmm. When we see moms blooming, that's that's part of the, with the pumpkins and the corn stalks and the hay bales and all of that, right? But moms are perennials. I mean, after mm-hmm. they bloom, you know, you've got them sitting in, in pots on the front porch, wherever. You can go get take these moms and plant them in a bed, and they will yeah. die down this winter and typically come back the next year. Now, they'll bloom, you know, they'll bloom kind of in the summer and then some bloom in the fall. You won't have that heavy fall bloom mm-hmm. like you're seeing right. now. Right, true. But true. they are truly perennials that come back mm-hmm. every year and bloom for you. Right, and a lot of people don't know that. And then, on the other hand, a lot of people don't want to plant sitting there waiting for it to bloom in the fall, and I don't know why. Well, no, but I mean, but there again, let's say if you bought a mom today and it's in full bloom and you enjoy the bloom for another month, right? Mm-hmm. And then you take it out of the pot and you put it in the, in the bed. It dies down this winter. It comes back next year. Now, if you wanted that fairly heavy bloom in the fall, like we're all accustomed to, you would have to go out there and pinch the buds off in the summer. Yeah. You'd have to, and no, I'm not going to do that. I tried to do that. No. And it takes... I'm too impatient. I'm not going to do it. You yeah, know? yeah. So I don't. And and seeing a mom that comes back every year in a bed that you planted blooming in the summer mm-hmm. is just not a right look for me. That's, I'm just not what I'm used to seeing. That's probably why people crazy? don't do the moms. Because really. we associate them with fall. fall. Yeah, there is actually though. I I recall doing this now that we were talking about it. That's why that mom looks so good. Hmm. But there was one mom left over from last year. Well, a couple of moms. So we kept them in the greenhouse through the winter. Don't know why, but you did. Yeah, exactly. And then we uh, put them out early spring. I mean, there was like four or five. And nobody was interested. I put them back in the greenhouse. In the middle of the summer, I was in the greenhouse looking around. And I I uh, I said, okay, I'm going to pinch the buds off of these. 
and watch, you know, how well it performs. And I had one done. It was a large one. I only did one. I just couldn't stay down there longer, you know. Yeah. And I pinched all that off. And in the summer, the others that I did not, the others that I didn't pinch, they bloomed. The one that I did pinch yeah. bloomed out thick and beautiful. Yeah. But. You know, you never think about it. Uh-uh. Uh, and it was like I was using the thing. You should have them pinched off by 4th of July. Was that it? Yeah. So it was a little bit after July, but it it worked. But I'm not going to do it. It's a lot of pinching when you've got this nice full. Pinching those buds off. It's kind of like mm-hmm. pinching the blooms off pansies you just bought. People just aren't going to yeah, do it. That's right. Imagine a whole flat. And you mentioned Dusty Miller a while ago. Audrey Fielding, she uh, texted in and said, Dusty Miller does not like a lot of H2O, of course, water. And she's exactly right. The worst thing you can mm. do to Dusty Miller is keep that stuff too wet because yeah. it will let you know in a heartbeat Turn. as it's dying back uh, on you, okay? Yeah. I can definitely vouch for the uh, how dry it likes it. Yeah. Definitely. We're going to run to a break. And, um, you know, you should give us a call, 260-5926, or post on our Facebook Live. We'll be right back. Mm. Good morning. Welcome back. To Mid-South Gardening. Glad y'all are here with us this morning. Yeah, if you want to give us a call, guys, 260-5926. 260-5926. And like Veda said, you can always go to the Mighty 990 Facebook page and shoot us a text right there. It says right here, Mr. Paul Little is watching. Hey, Mr. Paul. Hey, Mr. Paul. And then, of course, if you miss all this, you can go to uh, Mighty 990 or k1radio.com and listen to us live or go back and listen to the podcast later yeah. on. Yeah. You know what? I did not really, really think about how many fall blooming shade perennials there are. Like the toad lilies. There's a number of varieties of toad lilies that don't seem like they're the same type of plant, but they're blooming now. Beautiful plants. So beautiful. And the turtle head, that's Cleone. blooming. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Cleone. Cleone. Cleone, I should say. Yeah. yeah. That's uh, blooming mm. now. And anemones. Oh my gosh. Anemones. September are charm. Yeah, yeah, September charms. So. And then, of course, asters and mums. Yeah, yeah. Know? And those would be part sun, part shade. Um, and then if you're looking for, okay, those are the color. That I think, what else blooms in the shade in the fall? Those are really, oh, the Solomon seal. Does that, that bloom in the too. fall? I haven't seen that blooming, though. Oh, yeah. But it's got, we've got that old-fashioned one that gets real tall, and then it bends And it's the beautiful variegated foliage that people love, yeah. too. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So there's some really good things to plant in shade, part sun, that gives you all the bloom. There's actually to more blooming stuff in the fall for the shade than there is in the summer. All I can think of that blooms in the summer are hostas. And then a still the bee. Shade. You know, some of the still yeah. bees are summer bloomer, but... That I mean, still bees hard for me. Yeah, well, you got to have good drainage in it, but it has to be hydrated. You know, you yeah. got to keep it hydrated That's or it'll, just, it'll burn up on you. But it's it's one of those things, Veda, where you, you really have to be... I'm not saying careful. You got to really pick and choose mm-hmm. uh, when you're dealing with more shaded environments. Uh, yeah. I mean, and then we've always said this, you know, what does shade mean? When people mm-hmm. say the word shade, what what does that mean? Yeah. You know, is it deep shade? Right. Is it high shade? Is it filtered shade, mottled shade? Mm-hmm. And it all mm-hmm. makes a difference. It really does. Just you wouldn't think that those little changes would, but it really does. Uh, I mean, you know, weather tells yeah. whatever. Wh- 
weather dictates what's going to happen, of yeah. course. And being that we have such up and down weather as well, we get different performance out of our plants than you would like in California. Well, but also think about just hydrangeas this year. The mm-hmm. old-fashioned mop head hydrangeas. Every one of them look horrible right yeah. now, especially the ones that were getting a little too much sun. Mm-hmm. Now, can they grow in that environment? Yeah. Will they bloom in that environment? They absolutely will. Um, but it, going through a growing season like we had this summer, uh, hydrangeas that got a little too much sun are fried. They're mm-hmm. burnt around the edges. They've got leaf spot all over them. They're really stressed. Yeah. And they're going to be fine. They're going to drop those leaves and flush back out next year. But those same hydrangeas, if they'd been in a little more shade where the soil had stayed really hydrated, mm-hmm. you know, those hydrangeas, even though it's late in the year, would still look a lot better. Well, yeah, case to point, as you say, I have uh, the garden center hydrangeas in two locations. One is closer to the irrigation system, Mm -hmm. and the others are farther away, but also the way the irrigation system works, there's a pole there. (laughs) So you know everything behind the pole doesn't get water. True. Yeah, so I'm trying to make people understand this, but inevitably those get much drier so they actually have powdery mildew and uh the spots on the leaves because like you said they they need that moisture so the ones that had plenty of moisture are fine and look great the others that got dry don't look that's exactly right the leaves are crinkled yeah it was just a smidge of dryness yeah so you know that i'll take them to the greenhouse fertilize them knowing they're going to be fine yeah leaves will drop and then they'll come out beautiful the next year but it was just the difference and then one of the questions people have with their hydrangeas in particular the mop heads uh you know they're seeing all the the black purple spots on Mm -hmm. the foliage uh and yes it is a fungal spot now is it is it something to really worry about this late in the year? No, not, not really. This late. Yeah, you know, but what I've been telling people is, you know, yes, if you have a fungicide like liquid copper or daconil, yes, of course you can go out there and give them a good spray and come back in two weeks and do it again. But also, when these leaves really fall later on mm-hmm. this fall, get those leaves out of there. Those infected leaves, clean, blow them out, rake them out, get it out of there. Now, watch the new growth next spring. The new growth should come out really pretty and green, okay? Now, if it comes out early in the spring with spots on it, then, of course, you got to go mm-hmm. out there and spray. Right, yeah. Because you got the rest of the growing season ahead exactly. out here. Exactly. And then think about you may be needing to add compost or, or aerate around the root ball as well, but you definitely need to spray the copper to, to slow this down for yeah. sure. But I've seen so much, I mean, where I've seen hydrangeas there again that were getting a little too much sun look absolutely horrible compared mm-hmm. to the ones that were in, like, more shade. And that's what started this conversation is what's the meaning of shade, right? Yeah, yeah. So, what is the meaning of shade? Because then when you're explaining to new gardeners, well, full sun can mean six hours. And they're like, how does, how, you know, and I'm like, well, in plant language. Yeah, yeah. And then so you're go so then when you go, oh, that can take full sun. And then they're like, well, no, I have sun all day. And I'm going... <laughs> That is a harsh environment. Yeah. What that is? Yeah, that's all. That's a whole different type of description. That's a there. desert plant. Yeah, it takes full desert. <laughs> but then you know, how about the coneflower? You know, they they love it. Veda Judy, go ahead. 
Oh, sorry. No, go ahead. I saw well, you Judy, were going to read it. Judy text. Wood uh, sent a text in on the Mighty 990 Facebook page. She said, hello, um, just might have missed this, which she hasn't. <laughs> which uh, perennials do you recommend cutting back and which ones to just leave? Uh, wondering about bee balm, irises, daylilies, flocks, those kind of things. Well, you know, there's really two answers. For me, I like to leave everything. Leave them alone this yeah, time of year. Right, and... Because that way you get beneficial insects. It's it's uh, wildlife protection. You still have a little bit of green and nutrients, and you're wanting that to go all the way to the root ball. So as it's dying back, the carbohydrates are being mm-hmm. stored into yeah. the roots if you let them just naturally die back. Right, and that's I, and then. On the other hand, it's difficult sometimes to do that depending on where your perennial bed is, uh, like who's going to see it. Or as far as aesthetic <laughs> yeah, reasons, aesthetic. yeah. So then you want to like cut them all down and mulch over it, and then it's mulch too high, and then it's hard for them to come out of the soil. Or if they come out of the mulch, the mulch is still too high, and they'll eventually just not perform as well or as long. So you're saying as far as perennials, most perennials, in fact, I don't really know of any perennial that you should never cut back. Mm -hmm. You can either cut them back uh, when the tissue, when two thirds of the tissue has died back, Mm -hmm. you can cut any of them back. Yeah. Or like you said, Veda, you can just absolutely leave them alone and cut them back in the early spring. Right. Yeah, exactly. I mean, either way you're fine, but I'm like you for aesthetic reasons, People would go out mm-hmm. there in you know, mid to late fall and cut all that debris, that dead tissue off of their perennials and kind of lightly mulch them in like you're yeah. talking about. But no, you can actually wait till spring to do right. that also. But I don't know of any perennial that you absolutely don't have to or want to cut back yeah. or have to cut back. Right. Yeah. So you're good either way. Half and half. Or all the way, or not at all. So, so Judy, either this fall or next spring. But I do mm-hmm. like the idea of letting two-thirds of that perennial die back, mm-hmm. if not all of it, die back before I cut that tissue That's off. Good. Because the roots, like Veda said, they're storing the energy for next year's growth as that stuff is dying back. Yeah, that that's definitely a good idea. But because also... It looks the way like the frost can be across your perennial mm-hmm. bed, and the textures and, and the way the sun hits the frost and reflects it. You have to have those plants there for that to happen. And uh, here, some people say, oh, I don't like winter. It's, it's just ugly and, and dark and all. But if you keep texture out there, it's not so bad. Yeah. We'll be right back for another hour. You're listening to The Mighty 990. The garden help you need. Now, Mid-South Gardening on the Mighty 990, powered by Palladio Home and Garden, with your hosts, Veda Vance, Kenneth Mabry, and Jim Crowder. Good morning, Mid-South Gardeners, and welcome back to Mid-South Gardening. Glad y'all can join us this morning. I'm Veda with Palladio. And I'm Kenneth with Dan West Garden Centers. And once again to you, Miss Veda, good to see you. Hadn't seen you in a couple of weeks. Yes, I'm glad you got to go on a lovely vacation. Yeah, get down there um, and enjoy the beach the for a minute. Beach. I, it keeps calling me. And thank goodness the, you know, th- I mean, it's horrible for the people that get impacted by the hurricane. That's, yeah, we're uh, down there around Yeah, that. but, I mean, you know, that thing curved to the right and went across, you know, the mm-hmm. central part of Florida down there. And, you know, I hate it for those people. Uh, 
but yeah, I mean, as far as where we were, we had a little wind and you know a little bit of wave, but that was it. I mean, thank yeah. God, you know. I, mean, but I hate it, it for the people that good. were impacted. Did the weather feel good? It did, like but it was good to get away. And all. But you had Cliff, the irrigation doctor on, and Wes Hopper, uh, you know, a urban legend, if you will. Yeah. <laughs> That's a you good, know? the tree whisperer. Yeah. Yes. Um, oh, you know, there's the uh, plant cell at the Botanic Gardens. It is. We had some people come by Dan West yesterday, and I was loading them up. And, you know, you could see some stuff that they had already mm-hmm. gone by and picked up yeah. at the Botanic Gardens. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. That is definitely a place to go for some things that you really can't get in the garden centers because, you know, their Botanic Garden grows a lot of their stuff. It was weird. I was loading one young lady, a real sweet uh, lady, and I opened the back of the SUV and there mm-hmm. were two plants in three-gallon containers. And they looked like the old-fashioned baptisia, okay? Yeah. Uh, but these things were smaller-leaved, and they had pink blooms, and it was actually a type of lespedesia. Oh, you know? nice. And they're like, I said, well, you can probably grow that. Not a problem. Yeah, you that's know? what I'm thinking. Ah, lespedesia. That could spread. It could. Absolutely yeah. it could. But, yeah. I mean, they they were gravitating to the beautiful little pink blooms that were on yeah, it right. yesterday, you know? Yeah. And plus, it would look good in the... I'm going to call it the rewilding landscape. Oh, the natural landscape. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. We need to rewild our landscapes. <laughs> and that almost sounds like all you would think of seeing are weeds. But no, rewild is kind of where you make a choice of a few different plants that you haven't done before <clears throat> that yeah. in terms that help with attracting beneficial insects, attracting bees, butterflies, hummingbirds, but all the other, the little beneficials that we don't even think about that are out there. But I mean, this is a great time of year. People love to get out. I mean, after the summer we went through, good Mm -hmm. Lord, you almost have to stay inside, you know, just to survive. But people are making their rounds, the garden centers, Palladios, Dan West Garden Centers, the local garden centers, Veda, and the Botanic Gardens. I mean, just, you know, just making their rounds and, and just taking their time, finding yeah. stuff. And think about it. You know, we talked about this is a great time of year to plant trees and shrubs. They're available out there. All of the fall color, mm-hmm. whether it's the pansies, violas, panolas, the ornamental cabbage you were talking about yeah. a while ago, snapdragons, dianthus. And then you've got, you know, the hay bales, the corn stalks, mm-hmm. the pumpkins, the gourds. You know, oh. all of that stuff, you know? And it started. <laughs> the burr months. September, October. <clears throat> yeah, the burr months. November, December. But it's <laughs> a fun time of year. Yeah. It gives us something to do anyway. Oh, yeah. Different colors. Um, and I was noticing, because today is going to be beautiful. But yesterday, day before yesterday, wasn't it 86, I think? And then next week, there's one day that's going to be up to 85. I don't care. I'll take exactly. it. Exactly. But the the crazy thing about how our minds work, or, or maybe it's just me, is in the middle of the summer, 85 would be amazing. It'd be a dream come true. Yeah, but in the fall, we're wanting... we're burning up. Yeah, yeah, we're wanting to feel... <laughs> plus, we're, I think we're extra hot, too, because, like, I want to start the fall clothes. Isn't that crazy? So that makes you even hotter. And uh, But then, you know, the temperature's only going to be in 70, but outside in the sun, that's almost 80. Yeah. Yeah, so it's not time for your gym and your boots and your sweatshirt not yet. yet not quite let's go through the fall first so when uh, judy wood when she's the one that she's the lady that texted right before we went to the break and when she was talking about you know perennials cutting mm-hmm. them back beta in particular you know the bee bomb the irises the day lilies the flocks 
all of those, like you said, you can either cut them back in the fall or you can cut them back in the spring. It makes really no difference. Now, one thing that I have read, I've never experienced it myself, is perennials that have hollow stems. Right. Whichever, whatever that is. Yeah. If you cut them back in the fall, you can have some damage to the root system because mm-hmm. the cold air has a tunnel to kind of right. reach the root system. Yeah. Where if you do it in the spring, you know, really no problem. They're more insulated through the winter. So that's the only, I mean, I, I kind of like the idea of cutting all my perennials back uh, in the early spring mm-hmm. because I really think that they are more winter hardy for whatever reason. It's yeah. just, maybe it's just me. Uh, if I do it then, but then again, you've always heard people say, well, if you wait till early spring to cut them back and you don't do it in the fall, you have a risk of that tissue mm-hmm. becoming gummy and you might get more of a fungal problem in there. But I've never why? experienced that either. I know. I was like, well, what? Well, cause it think, gets wet and it gets yeah. mushy and you know what I'm saying? Right. I would think my, the only thing I could think of is a negative. Well, it's not a negative. We get... Uh, the first nice type of weather, and we start seeing little bits of perennials poking out of the ground. Yeah. And then we're like, move the leaves, move yeah. the mulch, and all yeah. that. Well, it's still too early, really, when that starts happening because we get little warm spells, but then we can have a couple more freezes yeah. after that. So that would be the one thing is not uncover too early. Yeah. Uncover mulch. I mean, not like if you had cloth over it. But it, But it's weird. I mean, as far as cutting them back... Whether mm-hmm. it's fall or whether it's early spring, there's not a there's not a wrong answer. Yeah. So, if you're looking to cut stuff back today, then you don't have to. You can spend your time doing some other projects. Yeah. <laughs> Although you know, there's one I can like things that die back naturally. I'm good with that. But like the peonies, which they yeah. sometimes they'll get that blight on their that stems. That I don't mind cutting back. I know, I just nope. have to cut that one back. Clean those things yeah. up. And they, yeah, this time of year, especially after the growing season we went through, depending on where they were planted, I've seen them that look absolutely horrible. Mm-hmm. Uh, and yeah, something like that, you can go ahead and cut those things back and, and don't worry about it whatsoever. Yeah. They're going to flush back out next year. And you know, a go- another good thing to plant now are vines because yeah. they can grow, if you put them in the ground now, they will be, I promise, 12, well, I can't ever say promise in garden. I didn't say that. that. I've seen them get to 12 feet within, you know, a season. Depending on the vine. Yeah. And I was looking, we planted, what was it? Yeah, cross vine. We planted two cross vine at this house. And... They were from one-gallon containers, yeah. actually, and we put the baling wire up, string it up the columns. They have, well, square columns up to the second floor, and then there was a patio. So that that we planted in the early summer is now all the way up to the, above the, to the second floor. And but we used really good compost, yeah. all of that in there, and they just grew like hotcakes. Yeah, and cross <laughs> or no, vine, wait, hotcakes don't grow. Yeah, what but is they, the hotcake uh, reference? They grow like hotcakes. Yeah. that's what okay. I've heard. Yeah, all right, okay. If that makes you feel better. <laughs> it does. It does. <laughs> but cross vine is one of those vines I love. I mean, mm-hmm. they did say semi evergreen vine has a trumpet shaped bloom on it. 
it can actually grow in a good bit of shade. I mean, it needs, yes, uh, you know, yes. some filtered sun. Mm-hmm. There we go. Mottled yeah. sun. <laughs> high shade. A little bit of sunlight on the leaves. And once it's established, it's a very fast grower. And then Akebia is another mm. one of those that can grow in, you know, high shade. Yeah. And it's a very fast grower very, also. Yeah. But, yeah, I mean, vines play a huge part mm-hmm. uh, in our landscape. Now, I've, you know, I've told you about this story. You know, my neighbor behind me has got Virginia creeper on his side of the fence. Well, of course, this is a wood slat fence. Virginia creeper, for some reason, really wants to grow on my side of the fence. <laughs> Why? So this is one of those vines where I'm constantly out there, you know, cutting it off my mm-hmm. side of the fence. Now, would it be the end of the world if it if I'll just let it mm-hmm. go? No. Yeah. But it's going to get into my crepe myrtles back there. It's going to mm-hmm. get into the hydrangea. I mean, it's going to just start, you know, yeah. I don't want to own a... Per- I want to prevent the problem before there ever is a problem. Right, exactly. Well, I can think about a problem in the garden center when we had the we have the wisteria, the uh, next to which is just some, as bad as Virginia creeper. Yeah, yeah, and this wisteria is what oh amethyst falls. Now that I love. Yeah, and so this one started growing up the tree that you know we have for sale like a, a coral bark maple yeah so it went all up the tree well wasn't paying attention and somebody wanted that one so i picked that bucket up and started off with it and it, <laughs> and was it a, jerked you right it back it did and then we created a domino effect it pulled the tree over which got on the other wisteria and they knocked over and i'm just standing here holding a wisteria attached but out of all the wisteria that are out there you mentioned amethyst falls mm-hmm. which is an american variety it's not the chinensis or the yeah. chinese variety and it is a dream come true mm-hmm. when it comes to wisteria because yeah. usually when we think about that veda we're thinking mm-hmm. about a vine that's going to take over the world yeah right? yeah uh, amethyst falls is one that is extremely manageable mm-hmm. beautiful blooms on it not near as aggressive as some of these i other like varieties. the foliage love too. it love it all right y'all get your questions together or if you just enjoy listening to us talk that's cool too or uh leave us information or uh, text us information on facebook live like that uh Yep. Lady did earlier. Yeah, like Miss Judy Wood did. Yeah, two six zero five nine two six. Good morning. Welcome back to Miss South Gardening. Good morning um, to you once again, Miss Veda. All right. So we were talking about everything. Yeah. And I have a few plants I want to talk about. But did you have? Huh. Eh, plants. Uh, I do. Plants. I mean, but you just tell me what plant. Oh, you know the other one, shade perennial, Brunaria. Brunaria. Is that the one that has the thick leaf on it? Yeah, yeah. that's kind of silvery, yeah. white looking. That's a really pretty plant, too. Um, I would say almost dry, but mostly needs to stay moist. True. And what and, about the heucheras? Oh, my gosh, the heucheras. Now, not all of them do good here. I think heucheras are great, great, great in containers. They're evergreen. They've got good fall color right now. Uh, so it's something that's always there. But it's they've got to be well-drained. They better be. They need to stay, I would say, moist because if it gets really dry, they hate it. And if it's really wet, they hate it. It kind of remind me of an auto-looking laurel. Yeah. You better have the right soil, the well-drained soil. Mm -hmm. You got to keep them moist, but not wet, 
Can't yeah. let it get too dry, you know. Oh, I actually berm my soil up a little more where I'm planting those. The best ones I've ever seen were growing at a base of a tree. Wow. Closer okay. up. And apparently, because I thought, how? It's Good got drainage. to be so dry there, too. But apparently, you know, it was a good enough drainage to. And I noticed on the areas that we have the hookah, if they're in this one area with more irrigation, they don't perform as well. If they're on this back area that gets irrigation mildly, they seem to do fine. But yeah, hookah is great. And then the, of course, the foam flowers, the tiarellas. I mean, there, there are quite a few perennials out there mm-hmm. that would grow in what we call more shade yeah quotation uh than sun i mean you know and to me now the top two are mm-hmm. hostas and ferns right but yeah. there are other ones other than hostas <laughs> and ferns you don't have to have a hosta or a million, mm-hmm, a million or ferns yeah. or a million there are other perennials you can plant in more of a shaded environment but the first two we think of always of course uh-huh. and nothing wrong with that is hostas and, and right ferns. right now the carex grasses are, are kind of edging edging their way into landscapes. They make good edges. And uh, there's some that just yellow, really pretty yellow, a dark yellow maybe. Think of dark yellow. That They're beautiful. And then there's the carex that are kind of a silvery look. And mm-hmm. then there's the a chorus mm-hmm. that's an sweet upright. Flag. Yeah, sweet flag. that. That's really, that's good container garden plants also. And you can mix the sweet flag with the pansies, violas, panolas. Yeah, so yeah. you can tell that Veda has that landscape background yeah. <laughs> because you think of some of these, like all these perennials you were just mentioning. Mm-hmm. See, that never even runs through my mind because I'm always thinking of hostas and ferns. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But there are so many other ones out there, like you said. Yeah. Does, I mean, and we can incorporate a lot of these other ones. You don't have to. Mm-hmm. But I just want you to know there are other ones out there other than hostas and yeah. furs that will grow right. in a low-light environment. And then, well, we'll go to the sun and containers and all. We have the Swiss chard and the kale you can eat. But they're pretty, too. So you can put those in your containers oh, God, to yeah. add, you know, beauty and height, but you can also harvest them. Ah, so the edible garden. Yeah, Here we go again, that. right? Because pansies and violas are edible. Yes, they are. Yeah, the blooms are edible. So, yeah, you put those in with your kale and your Swiss chard, and there you go. You've got a salad or a smoothie. <laughs> I guarantee if I'm sitting in my r- living room at night watching TV, on the t- you got the TV tray in front of me, and I'm eating, <laughs> you know, a hamburger or whatever, and I've got a salad over here, uh-huh. if somebody was to walk in and see that I'm eating pansies and viola blooms, they would drop dead. <laughs> but you can, yeah, you, you know, can. and people do it. I had, I knew someone that made beautiful cakes and she decorated them in pansy season with pansies and you just cut it and eat it. And then she would put pansies in the lemonade or whatever she made. They would just kind of float there for, for pretty and I first, I mean, that was years and years ago. And I thought, but why I mean, do you make a cake and we can't eat it? And uh, then she was like, no, you can eat pansies. Yeah, well, so, but I'm going to grow mine just for the bloom outside. Okay? Yeah, right. Well, guys, another thing that, uh, you know, we need to think about uh, because it's fall are the fall bulbs. Oh, Later. the bulbs, yes. You know, whether it's the, you know, the narcissus, the daffodils, uh, the tulips, and then, of course, all the minor bulbs, the, you know, grape hyacinths and irises yeah. and down, on down the road. Um, 
long story short, most of the bulbs you can actually go ahead and start planting now. Mm-hmm. Uh, whether it's the you know the big daffodils or the the fragrant narcissus, the minor bulbs. About the only one that you really typically don't plant this early, which you can if you plant them a little deeper, are the tulips. Mm-hmm. Now, what I always tell people with tulips, the the perfect scenario on yeah. a tulip is to buy the tulip bulbs early now, but put them in the refrigerator. And typically you plant them after Thanksgiving. But tulips need a good chill, mm-hmm. if you will. <laughs> See that? Baby? Yeah. But they need a good chill <laughs> to really bloom well the next year. You can't really count on our winters, whatever we call winter. You can't count on our winters to give them that good chill to bloom well the next year. So that's why we say ideally in the perfect world, get your tulips early, put them in a cool place, ideally the refrigerator, Mm -hmm. and start planting those typically sometime after Thanksgiving when the soil temperatures are cool and they're going to stay cool. And if you do it that way, you're guaranteeing yourself beautiful blooms in the spring. You are, yeah. You just are. Because if you don't put them in the refrigerator, they'll still come up. And they should, and they should bloom just fine. But but not as good or as tall or as long. And then when when I say the word narcissus, a lot of Mm -hmm. times that, you know, that can be confusing. Because think about this. All daffodils are narcissus, okay? But not all narcissus are daffodils. And all I mean by that is there are plenty of narcissus that we do plant in the ground around mm-hmm. here. And like I said, most of your narcissus looks like a daffodil or jonquil. They're going to have a nice fragrance to them. Now, there are a few narcissus that are more for indoor forcing, mm-hmm. you know, like the Ziva paper white or the end ball that paper says white. Christmas when you say those words. It does, Vita, but those you really don't typically plant outdoors. Yeah, They're yeah. really just for indoor forcing. And if you ever, I'm going to tell you right now, and you need to do this. Mm-hmm. If you ever get online yeah. and read about what people think about the fragrance <laughs> of paper yeah. white narcissus, <laughs> you will cry laughing. Really? Oh, yeah. my God. And what I mean by that. Some people, like me, I love the, the smell, the mm-hmm. fragrance of, say, gardenias and paper whites yeah. and even, you know, stargazer lilies. Mm-hmm. I love all yeah. those fragrances. <laughs> if you read about what some people think of these uh-huh. fragrances, you will cry. <laughs> they, I mean, it, 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 some people hate the fragrance. Mm-hmm. Um, so the narcissus that you, that you force to bloom inside, they're definitely going to have a fragrance. And it's one that I love there again, but some people will not enter a room yeah, if there are paper right. whites blooming in that room. Now, the Ziva, Z-I-V-A, it has a heavier fragrance than, say, the Inball, mm-hmm. okay, variety. And we, and we carry both. But they still have a fragrance, right. you know. So I don't know, Vady, if you would be one of those that like the it. fragrance, you it. know, or, yeah. or just despise it. But I was reading some of the comments online mm-hmm. about some of the... What people think about the fragrance of paper whites, yeah, and I was crying, laughing. That, I'm telling I you, I have got to look that up. Yeah, when I think of plants at Christmas time, the two smells that makes me think of Christmas time with the rosemary. I, I think it's because mm. 20 years ago or so we got some rosemary-shaped Christmas trees. Yeah, and that was just out. And it's yeah. And you and think about that at Christmas because we got them in red wrappers and all of that. 
So that and then the paper whites. See, and I love the way they, yeah. the fragrance of them. Right. So, so they had promised me you'll go in there and, and read about Ziva paper whites yeah. fragrance. All right. And what people say about it. I'm telling you. But they're easy. And the paper whites, and I know we only got a minute. All you do with those is, you know, whether you pot them up in soil, which is fine, and add water, they'll do their thing. Or whether you get a nice container that's completely waterproof, put some marbles or rock in there and the bulbs in there. And then you're just adding water. Uh, and they'll do their thing. But they're already pre-chilled. You don't need to do anything in the world other than add <laughs> water to them. And then, of course, later on would be the amaryllis, yeah. you know, that you force to bloom inside. They really don't have a fragrance. They just mm-hmm. have those beautiful big blooms. But, uh, yeah, they, I mean, you know, fall bulbs, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's a lot of fun. Whether you're planting bulbs outdoors mm-hmm. or whether you're forcing bulbs indoors. What? Do you have minor bulbs now? <laughs> Yeah, that would be like the muscaries and mm-hmm. the cilias and the Dutch hours. Yeah. And, uh, you know, yeah, and the minor bulbs, <clears throat> all we mean by that is they're smaller bulbs and smaller blooms. And you usually plant those in mass, but and they come back great every year mm-hmm. for you. And they're absolutely striking when they're blooming. Even yeah. a crocus could be considered a minor bulb. Yeah, that mm. is true. Man, I'm so inspired with the bulbs. Yeah, now. it's fun. Right. Alrighty, head to a break real quick. Call us 260-5926 or text us a question on our Facebook Live. Good morning, gardeners, and welcome back to Mid-South Garden. Glad y'all can join us this morning. And if you want to give us a call, Miss Veda, 260-5926. And, of course, you can go to the Mighty 990 Facebook page and shoot us a text. And you can go to kwinradio.com, streaming live all the time, and listen to the podcast yeah. later on if you don't hear us this morning. Exactly. And, of course, my wife just sent me a text. <laughs> Clearly, she's listening to the show. Because uh-huh. she said, you can say that giving tulips and daffodil bulbs is a great gift idea. Because mm-hmm. that's what your wife, Gina, my wife, told me <laughs> to get her and plan for her birthday next month. <laughs> hint, oh, hint. Oh, hint, Gina. You're good so good, morning. Gina. So, yeah. She's so Fun. I can. Uh, I don't know your wife personally. Very. Um, have I met her? Well, clearly maybe? she wants but some bulbs from planted. All the Facebook posts and everything. She's so fun. Uh, <laughs> Y'all have a good time. So I guess I'll be planting tulips yeah, and daffodils. Yeah, are you writing that in your notes right now? I'm going to write it on my hand, and then I'll write right? it on my forehead, yeah. but i never forget it. Yeah. Lady, you know, you mentioned uh, thatch. You know, I was mm-hmm. talking about I'm going to raise my lawnmower blade level about half a notch on the next cutting and kind of keep it there through the winter, okay, and let it go dormant later on. Um, but you're talking about the thatch. And the reason I wrote thatch down is I had a gentleman come into the garden center, okay, and he didn't cut his own grass anymore. He had someone else cut it. Well, sometimes these guys show up when they're supposed to. Sometimes mm-hmm. they don't yeah. for whatever reason. Right. And he's got zoysia, that. beautiful zoysia, beautiful zoysia lawn, and we know how thick zoysia lawns can get compared to the other grasses that are out there well this guy showed up and this zoysia had been cut in about three weeks and it Mm -hmm. needed to be cut it three weeks ago okay yeah and the guy cut it and this gentleman was telling me he's got tons of thatch and evidently, yeah. this has been going on, okay? So is it like spongy when it's, he walks? Yes, yes. And, he's, yeah. and you can get your fingers and kind of uh-huh. rake it through the lawn and get a handful Ooh, of dead that's grass. Intense, it yeah. is intense. And so, thatch will do what to your lawn? <laughs> thatch will actually hold excessive moisture, which will create 
tons of fungal environments out there, mm-hmm. are, and you'll get fungal pathogens. You'll get a fungus in your lawn if you have a heavy thatch yeah. buildup. It's just going to happen, right. okay? Uh, and the reason being is, guys, this diet, you know, he didn't catch the clippings at all. He doesn't have a bag on his lawnmower, which is fine. Mm-hmm. I can I can live with yeah. that. But if you're not going to bag your clippings, you have to cut your lawn at regular intervals. Mm-hmm. You're only cutting off a little bit of the blade at a time. And I understand things happen. Life happens, yeah. okay? But this has been, uh, on, in his particular yard, this was a repeated pattern. It was getting cut really short mm-hmm. after it gotten really tall and it wasn't you know it wasn't being caught in a bag and so this wasn't a one-time deal no you could tell. exactly yeah. so i mean of course he was getting a thatch buildup. well if you read about you know dethatching your lawn you know the best time mechanically to dethatch your lawn is going to be in the spring right because you don't mm-hmm. want to tear up your grass this late in the year right before winter sets in but you can do this one or two ways if you think about it, Vade, and you know both ways. There is a product called Soil Activator, okay? Soil Activator is humic acid. It mm-hmm. comes in a bag. It used to be called dethatch yeah. out of all <laughs> things, right? You can put Soil Activator on your lawn any day of the year. But I mean, whether it's early spring, hot summer, late fall, dead of winter, you can put humic acid down any time of the year. And humic acid, which is soil activator, will organically, naturally break down thatch, Mm -hmm. okay? Now, if you do want to use a mechanical version, uh, these things you can hook to your lawnmower blades, or you can go out and rent one, a dethatcher. You do want to wait till mid-spring to use those. Imagine how you're going to look at your neighbors. I mean, you're going to look like somebody <laughs> with your lawnmower with pulling your de-thatcher behind it. I know, exactly. <laughs> look, at, look at my tools. Well, then the, the neighbors going to look at you and go, why do you have all that thatch to start with? Yeah, they're you not know? even going to know, uh-huh. are they? Unless they live next door to me or you or somebody that does lawn care. <laughs> so keep that in mind, guys. I mean, thatch is a real thing, and especially if you have a heavy buildup of thatch, uh, some thatch is actually great. It's actually beneficial. You need some thatch mm-hmm. out there. But when you start getting excessive amounts of thatch, like this guy was, where he could rake his fingers through there and get a handful of thatch, uh, that's going to be a problem. And like I said, uh, soil activator, to me, would be the simplest way to mm-hmm. help break that thatch down organically or use a mechanical device. But you want to wait till mid-spring to do that, Yeah. to tear up your lawn getting this True. thatch up. Yes. You know, talking, of, you said um, <clears throat> organically, and it made me think about all the things that we had before, quote unquote, the organic movement True. that were already natural. But I think if it, a lot of because nobody really realized it was natural because of all the pushback that I got in the industry when we started going with the Yeah, if you heard the word stuff. organic, you're like, eh, it's not yeah, going to work. Yeah, just what do you say? I mean, it's so crazy. Why would we say that putting the soil or, or going back to the earth would <laughs> was be a bad? bad. Thing, right? Yeah, yeah. It was like, it, well, because we want it to work really fast. But if you start, that's the thing is if you start doing organics, you don't have to make it work fast because it's working all the time. Where with some, and, and they're improving some of the synthetics with the slower release and all. Oh, sure. But they don't do a lot uh, for the microorganisms and all. So you can have a balance of that too. But with the organics, it's just a feed, a feed every day. And that always... 
But instead of going really high and having lots of blooms and using all the fertilizer and then it drops, and then you use more fast-acting fertilizer to get it to bloom and then it drops, where if you use organics, you just got the same thing going on. Well, and you'd mentioned, you know, plant tone and flower tone and, mm-hmm. uh, you know, rose tone and some of those products feeding, even pansies, violas, and those kind of mm-hmm. things. Completely organic products. In fact, it's got a blend of organic products, kind of all mixed together. Yeah. And that's why, you know, I really like those toned products. Now, there are other great organic products on the market. They're mm-hmm. all good. Yeah. I don't know if any organic product is not good, <laughs> to be honest with you. But like you said, Veda, the beauty of it is you can use them. You don't really have to worry about burning anything with them. Uh-huh. They're all going to be slow release because the soil has to break the product down. And yeah. then the plant uses it mm-hmm. as it needs it. Right. So if you, they're like the first time you ever start using organics. It, that doesn't happen so fast. Well, for example. After we start building, then it will. For example, like mm-hmm. in my Bermuda lawn, many years ago, and I still do it, but years and years ago, I put a heavy, heavy dose of urea down on my lawn, okay, mm-hmm. which is a like a 4400 pure nitrogen product, completely man-made. Love it because you can hear your grass growing. <laughs> well, I put it down a little too heavy, yeah. okay? And... I actually had a toxic buildup, I think, in my lawn. Um, My grass all of a sudden started getting rust really bad. Oh, yeah. I was having to cut it every two days. You know, Uh but but I wanted, I mean, I wanted a quick, fast, green growth. But you just got a little too much. I did. I overdid it. And and if I'd used Milorganite or, Mm -hmm. you know, plant tone or whatever on my lawn, That never would have happened, okay? Yeah, right. I mean, I wouldn't. Now, I wouldn't have got or, that overnight green up. Yeah, but I wouldn't have to worry about the burn and the rust, uh-huh. you know, fungal problem I yeah. had after heavily mm-hmm. putting a product down. See, I, I, I would say, and I never had to do this with my lawn to get it to be dark green because I had always used organics, and so it was a steady feed, always green, even when you mowed it. Yeah. The, the blades underneath were green. But I would, if I wasn't getting the exact results I wanted, I might spike it with urea yeah, sure. or, or something just like that. Just a light application. But, you know, I just keep thinking, I didn't have any problems with fungal problems or uh, every once in a while a weed would show up, like the crabgrass, of course. But yeah. that was easy to pull out one or two uh, because the lawn was so thick <clears throat> that, that the seeds couldn't germinate, the sunlight could not get to it, and that's what reduced the weeds. And then real quick, well, we'll talk about this later on. You know, the other important factor is the pH. Mm, uh, yeah. You know, I mean, it, when it, when it, we feed our lawns, I mean, yes, whether it's synthetic fertilizers, which are great fertilizers, like you said, Betty, because there are a lot of slow-release coated nitrogens in them now, or they're organic products, you can do all of that just right. But if your pH is whacked off, I mean, if it mm-hmm. should be six and a half, and you're down to four and a half, even five, you're not going to get the benefit of the fertilizer that you're putting down because acidic soil locks up all the nutrients. So people that are doing all the right things and they still don't have just that beautiful, green, thick, lush lawn, yeah. first thing you tell them to do is go out there and check that pH, you know, and make sure that pH is up where it needs yeah. to be. First thing. A lot of people yeah. forget about that. Yeah, that you're right. The first thing you should do is check your pH because whatever you do after that is not effective if the pH isn't proper for that type of lawn you No have. doubt. Good point. All right, we're going to head to a break. Uh, y'all can call us 260-5926 or post questions on Facebook Live. 
Good morning. Welcome to Mid-South Garden. Has made it bouncing in her seat again. Is that again. from the 60s? Oh, it's got to be. <laughs> Not that I would know. I say that I wouldn't either, but it sounds like it would be, right? <laughs> right, right. Actually, I wouldn't know. I wouldn't either. Oh, yeah, I guess I would. Never mind. Maybe you, okay. Yeah, we were around in the 60s. Well, yeah, of course we were. <laughs> we just don't remember. I just don't remember a lot right. of it. All right, before we went on the break, we just let me just briefly mention, you know, we were talking about the pH of our lawn. Uh, and it needs, typically around here, whether it's Bermuda, Zorge, or Fescue, you know, we want a pH between 6.2 and 6.8, 6.5 mm-hmm. being really ideal. And then when you when you buy a bag of just old-fashioned pelletized lime, usually comes in a 40-pound bag, that bag would cover about 1,000 square feet, and that will raise your pH about half a point. How, okay? how many syllables are in 1,000? <laughs> A thousand square feet. There's probably four or five. <laughs> See, you sound like my daughter now, Nicole. She gets on me all the time. But just because what I'm, my point I'm making is, if you put one bag of lime down on a thousand square feet, see, I get that, <laughs> and that raises your pH half a point, that doesn't mean that you shouldn't come back two months later or three months later and put it down again. It all depends on where your pH is. Yeah. You know, because a lot of people say, well, I put lime down last fall, and mm. their pH is still five and a half, you yeah, know? Yeah. I'm like, well, you got to do it again, <laughs> and maybe again, yeah. to get that pH up. Now, once you get the pH up around six and a half, it's like Jim used to always say, you know, Mother Nature doesn't like us to alter pHs that often, mm-hmm. and Mother Nature doesn't alter the pH naturally that right. often either. So it, it, the the pH will stay there for a long time right. once you get it up where it needs to be. But you'll be amazed how many lawns, Veda, uh, where the pH is extremely acidic. I mean, yeah. it, it's just too acidic. The I'm surprised just... it doesn't burn their feet when they walk across the <laughs> lawn, okay? So, yeah, and the grass is always not – it's never going to be as prolific and lush as mm-hmm. it could be just because of this simple pH. Yeah. And then we're putting more synthetics on there to make it go faster and faster, which reduces the pH, <laughs> makes it more acidic. So we get stuck in that 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 wheel of trying. To, and, you know, uh, the uh, thing about Mother Nature doesn't really want things, the pH adjusted a lot, which is true. But then when we're trying to, quote unquote, control right. things right. or grow things that aren't quite, then we do have to adjust. Of course we do. And then also, t- when I mentioned a, a 40-pound bag of pelletized lime, you know, that covers about 1,000 square feet, it really takes two or three months to break down and mm-hmm. alter that pH. Well, of course, as you know, in the meantime, Veda, they've come out with fast lime, Fast lime is a pelletized lime also, but instead of taking months to break down and alter your pH, it can do it in a matter of weeks. So whether it's a old-fashioned pelletized lime or whether it's the pelletized fast lime, the end result is going to be the same. I wonder, okay, so say if if your pH is 5.5 and mm-hmm. we're needing to get it up to 6.5, 6.5. one whole point. So, but to do one whole point, does that take it would more take, than one application? Well, it depends on how heavy you put it down. 
Uh, if you need to raise your pH a whole point and you put 40 pounds of uh, pelletized lime down per 1,000 square feet, that's going to raise mm-hmm. it half a point. Now, if you put 80 pounds down per 1,000 square feet, that's going to raise it a whole point, okay? But whether you put 80 pounds down at one time or whether you put the 40 down, come back in three months and do it again, mm-hmm. it doesn't matter. Well, can you raise it two points at one time? Because I, I don't was, think so. Yeah, because I was thinking, what if you put your fast lime down now? Right. And you put your slow-acting lime now, right. so you can adjust like a point now, and then that lime will be available next spring to adjust at another point? Well, it really depends on how heavy you put the lime mm. down, whether it's the old-fashioned pelletized lime or even the fast lime. And that would dictate you know, how, mm-hmm. how much you're going to raise that pH. But trying to raise pH two points at a time, that's going to be really hard to do. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. No, so you just got to keep working on it till you until get you it get up. it up. That's right. And so, like, I know you can. I can't. You can bring your soil in, and we can test the pH. Yeah. And let you know um, exactly where your pH is. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Um, when we get to the second hour, we're going to talk more about house plants and things like that too. I just wanted to throw that in real quick. Yeah, and, and another thing, and, and let me just say this as far as the lawns go, because mm-hmm. then I'll get off the lawn kick, is, you know, typically, you know, we're feeding our lawns through the growing season. We're making sure the pH is up where it needs to be. We're trying to cut it like we should. Mm-hmm. We're spraying broadleaf weed killers as we need to. But as far as the weeding part goes, during the growing season, Veda, especially on Bermuda and Zoysia, we're typically using a higher nitrate fertilizer mm-hmm. or a good organic fertilizer, Okay. Well, this time of year, if you're going to feed your lawn, you really want to use more potassium than you do anything else. And, and there the is potassium's the last the last number, number right? Yeah, out of the three numbers, right. is yeah. the last Ni- number. Nitrogen, potassium, phosphate, phosphorus, potassium, potassium. Right. Yeah. And there is a product called Winterizer, which is like a ten zero fourteen. Yes, it still has ten percent nitrogen, but that's enough nitrogen to kind of keep it green you know mm-hmm. just kind of through the rest yeah. of the fall right yeah, okay it's yeah. not a high nitrogen fertilizer it's only 10 percent, but it does have the 14 percent potassium and really what that's doing is just kind of hardening the cell walls mm-hmm. it, it just makes it more winter hardy if you will and it also helps fight off disease yeah. believe it or not so either don't feed your lawn at all talking about bermuda and soysia centipede st augustine this late in the year or if you do feed it, make sure you're using something that has a high potassium. Yeah. Uh, because you can actually, you know, just waste your time putting and, and actually do more harm than good putting a high nitrogen fertilizer on your lawn this late in the year. Well, like you said, you know, it affects the cell walls. And uh, that's the same thing about why we don't want to fertilize late because it makes the cell walls not as... Winter hardy. Exactly. Yeah, that, that, that they will just rupture. Yeah, and that that's one reason why we can have some winter damage is too much fertilizer too late. We've got a caller from Memphis. Let's go to Gwen. Good morning, Gwen. You're in the garden. Oh, great. Well, uh two things. I just finished uh plucking two and a half wheelbarrows full of uh not weed. Oh man, what what a mess! Two and a half wheelbarrows yeah, full, my that is lord! A lot. Um, can you turn your radio down a little bit in the background? I think we're we're getting oh, some feedback. I, yeah, I got it. that's all okay, right. Okay. Another thing about about um, 
my soil, I realize I've got very acidic soil. If you have overhanging oak trees over your <laughs> yeah. your whole uh, garden. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's oak trees have also rotted out my driveway. Do not leave oak tree leaves on a concrete driveway mm-hmm. or you'll get they'll start getting pitted. You're right. Now, it, I now, never thought because of the acidity in the leaves? Or? The acidity goes through when it gets rained on, and if you leave them there, it's it's just like burning holes in the concrete. Now, and Gwen, and, no, yeah, go ahead. I'm sorry, babe. Go ahead. Also, it does, it, it raises the acidity of the soil. Yes. Now, so if you have a lot of oak trees, you can be doing that. From now till doomsday. <laughs> Putting the line down. Yeah. <laughs> now, the knotweed, though, Gwen, that you've been pulling, um, I mean, is this growing in your lawn or is it growing just in the beds? Was it nutgrass or knotweed? Oh, not no, weed. no, I've got a double lot. It's growing. Uh, my oak trees hang over yeah. my house and they drop in my over my house, the driveway, the backyard. It, they get on the backyard and yeah. in the side yard. I got you. And um, so it's the back and side yard that gets it acidified by those leaves. Well, and you're right. I mean, typically, you know, up under the trees. Mm-hmm. Uh, first of all, a lot of times we're trying to grow grass under trees where we can't grow that grass anyway. Yeah. Secondly, a lot of times the soil is super acidic, mm-hmm. you know, because we've never checked the pH up under there. And then thirdly, a lot of times we'll get weeds up under there. That's right. We'll be right back after these messages. (laughs) He's like... I know. I saw him. (laughs) He's not watching. The garden help you need. Now, Mid-South Gardening on the Mighty 990, powered by Palladio Home and Garden, with your hosts, Veda Vance, Kenneth Mabry, and Jim Crowder. Good morning, gardeners. Welcome back to Mid-South Garden. If you want to um, post questions, call 260-5926, or you can post questions on Facebook Live. And like I said, I was going to say this every hour, I'm not selling puppies. My Facebook, on your Facebook page. Yeah, Facebook page was hacked. Not selling puppies. Please pass it around. It's been a, uh, it's been a sad... Yeah, I mean, someone hacks your account and, you know, they're selling puppies that aren't available. Right. And then they're thinking it's really, really me and people are calling me, you know, I trusted you. You do the show. I thought it was all good. And I'm going, what are you talking about? And then it's so, no, I'm not selling puppies. If you see it, please report it. Yeah. Eventually, you'd think. I've had so many reports. Anyway, we didn't finish the pre-emerge, the lawn stuff. Yeah, but and thanks for Gwen for calling. Uh, we had to get off the phone there, but Gwen, but some good points talking about pulling weeds. And like I said, you don't have to spray to kill weeds like she was doing. She mm-hmm. had two wheelbarrows full of weeds that she's plucked yeah, out of the ground. Right. That's one way to get rid of them. But uh, also another way uh, is to, you know, we're talking about liming the grass and the type of fertilizers mm-hmm. to put down on lawns this time of year. Well, also it's time to get the pre-emergent down. And the pre-emergent, it's the same pre-emergent that you put down in the spring. You put down this time of year. As Veda, as you know, the difference is the pre-emergent that you put down in the spring, usually dimension or something similar, controls the spring and summer weeds. 
the pre-emergent, the same one that you put down now, controls the fall and winter weeds Mm -hmm. because they germinate at different times. So if you haven't ever used a pre-emergent, or if you have, the best way to control weeds is to kill the seed before they come up. Now, not every weed comes up from a seed. Some come up from a root. It's a perennial weed that eventually you'll have to pluck up like Gwen was doing or you spray with a herbicide. But I'm telling you, as far as lawn maintenance goes and and weed control, the pre-emergents are the best thing since sliced bread. You've got to get them Mm -hmm. out there. And this is the time of year to get it down. Right. And we like to do it three to four times a year. About every three months. But this, if you do this now, that's going to keep your poana at bay. You know, you won't have so much poana. And chickweed and henbit and those kind of things. Oh, Oh, but no, wait. Oh, she loves to bloom on the hen bed. I know it. I got it. So now I don't know what to do. Put the pre-emergent well, down. Hey, I saw a um, a compromise in a lawn, actually, where the homeowner mowed the lawn, of course, but he left a swath, a mm. pretty good one, of the wildflowers. So the lawn still was pristine. I can go with that. Looked good, mm-hmm. but and it was. You know, I think in the summer, he probably went ahead and mowed everything. But in the early spring, the bees need that that infor- that information. They need that food. And so he left an, a patch so they could get some on the way to wherever they're going. Or So, I mean, since we love lawns and like you, Kenneth, you're going to have your lawn. And, and, and I totally it's got to be manicured that. and it's got to be weed free and it's got to be yeah. cut at the right. I mean, right. But yeah. if you've got like a patch over on the side of the house or wherever, you know, that that's rewilding. Yeah, we're rewilding, mm-hmm. actually. I have no problem with that. And also, I've got to mention this in the same breath, which we always do, Veda, this time of year. This is also the time of year, of course, that people are putting fescue seed down. Mm. And fescue is a grass, a beautiful green grass that will grow in shade mm-hmm. where Bermuda and zoysia won't grow because of the amount of shade that you have there. So if you have situations where you can't grow Bermuda and zoysia, if you want grass, mm-hmm. fescue is the way to go. And, you know, this is the time of year to, to put it down. Don't, do not put a pre-emergent down in the same area that you're going to put seed down because it will control... <laughs> All mm-hmm. seed from coming up, including fescue. And it happens every year, Veda. People will put a, uh, either a lawn service, will mm-hmm. put their pre-emergent down, or their homeowner will, and they'll come back and put seed down and want to know how come the seed didn't come up. Well, the pre-emergent's doing its job. <laughs> but if you, um, if you do want to plant fescue, what we tell people is if you've already got a fescue lawn, you can overseed that lawn and keep it moist, and the grass will come right on up. If you've got big bare spots out there, mm-hmm. Either you want to rough the ground up before you sow the seed and after, or you want to rough up the ground, sow the seed, and come back and lightly cover the seed. What you never really want is a seed laying there on top of hard, dry ground. Yeah. You know? I mean, just really think about it. No, you want it either lightly covered or tucked in. And then as long as you keep it moist, that seed will be up in about 10 days, two weeks' time. It's a beautiful grass. Cut it high when it needs cutting, as high as the lawnmower Mm -hmm. would go. You want to keep it always cut high. Try your best to keep the leaves off of this fescue. You cannot let leaves Mm -hmm. just pile up on this fescue, this young, tender fescue. Then you get a heavy rain, Mm -hmm. and it just beats it down, and it just melts it out, if you will. And this is, it's a difficult thing because you don't want to rake immediately because then you'll pull the grass out. 
Um, you don't want to, if you blow, make sure it's on low. Yeah, you're not just flattening your yeah, lawn. Right, right. But yeah, just make sure it's on low so you can gently get the leaves out of there, but not yeah, flatten your lawn. Uh, flatten your unroot fescue. Unroot them. Yeah. Unroot them. Yeah, there are blowers yeah. out there that would take the paint off the side of a house, okay? <laughs> we don't. Yeah, that breaks your eardrums too, those blowers. I'm so glad there's becoming more uh, like battery operated blowers and all because they're just the decimal level's not as high, you know? <laughs> it makes a difference. But I've talked to quite a few people, in fact, every year I do, especially this time of year, Veda, where they've tried to grow zoysia in an area that they just really don't get enough sun to mm-hmm. grow it. And after a year or two, that zoysia just thins out and goes away. Even zoysia, which is more shade tolerant than Bermuda, it still has to have at least, you know, three to four hours of good sun. And if you don't get that, I'm telling you, the only grass that was going to grow there is going to be some type of fescue. Now, if you want zoysia and you don't get enough sun, like I just mentioned, you have to create more light. Yeah. Whether you're taking a few trees out, whether you're thinning your trees out, you have mm-hmm. to create at, at least three to four hours of sun for zoysia to really perform. Now, it loves full sun. That's right. what it does the best. Yeah, but in the c- cooler northern areas. And so this is another thing where we're not really trying to control nature, but we're working to grow something here that really right. doesn't. But you can have success, but you're doing just a few more steps than you would on you a Bermuda are. And there's no doubt that fescue is more maintenance than the other grasses out there because you've mm-hmm. got to keep it watered in the summertime. I don't care what you do in the summer, you're going to lose some of that fescue because it actively grows in the fall, the winter, mm-hmm. and the spring. That's when it loves to grow. Yeah. It's cooler. Right. Right? Yeah. So you're going to lose some every summer, but every fall or early spring, fall being the best, mm-hmm. You just go out there and kind of overseed it every year just to perpetuate what you yeah. have. Man, I tell you what, if you are doing the fescue, if you can get like a dump load of co- compost, rake it out in the area and uh, use the root stimulator to get it to, you know, like you could spray the seaweed mm. super thrive or any of the Fox Farm products. Like the big bloom. Yeah, like the big bloom. And you can spray that. And along with the compost, it's going to make it root faster and root deeper. And I wouldn't just throw it out on hard soil. And even if you rough it up, that's definitely going to help. But, but I would come back try and put some to, compost on yeah, top of it. Just yeah. a, you know, a layer of compost on top of that seed. And if you keep mm-hmm. it moist, it'll come up in no time. But it can be a pretty, really pretty grass, mm-hmm. though, Veda. And you know, some of us, we just we're going to try to grow grass. I don't care what conditions we have, yeah. how much sun, how much shade. But remember, Bermuda needs six hours of sun or more. Mm-hmm. Zoysia needs three to four hours of sun or more. Yeah. And then you've got the fescue that will grow in the shade, quotation yes. marks, <laughs> where the Bermuda and zoysia won't grow. Right. And, and it's kind of high shade, which is good. And you can get high shade by limbing your tree up or taking limbs uh, out to la- to allow sunlight to filter through. That is true. And let me say this real quick. There's And it's kind of confusing. There's so many different fescues on the market. There are mm. hundreds. Yeah. And I'm sure they're all good in certain parts of the region of the world. Um, what we sell, Veda, and what I think y'all have sold forever, too, is the old-fashioned five-star fescue. And five-star fescue is a blended fescue. It's got five hybrid fescues blended together, and it's the fescues that do the best in this area. And then a couple years ago, they came out with five-star extreme 
Okay, that's enough to confuse everybody. Mm-hmm. Well, the five-star extreme is also a blended fescue of five hybrid fescues. The only difference is between extreme and regular five-star is the extreme can even tolerate deeper shade. Interesting. It will grow yeah. anywhere five-star would grow, uh-huh. but it will also tolerate even deeper shade. So I know it can be confusing, but there are some good fescues mm-hmm. out there on the market. Okay. We're, I was like listening so intently, I forgot it was time. Well, did I look like I was listening? You did. Okay. We're going to run to a break. We'll be right back. No, you're Good not. morning. Gardeners, and welcome back to Mid-South Gardening. If y'all could just see this young lady over here. I just can't get settled. She's putting socks on, shoes on. I don't, Changing I don't, them out. Yeah, I Lord. You would think I was running around. I'm just sitting here. Veda, we did have a texter on the Mighty 990 Facebook page. It's from Shirley Smith. She said, I have a huge starfish cactus that I'll put outside. In the spring and summer, it has bloomed beautifully. Uh, I'll bring it in before, of course, a frost sets in. Should I trim back now or after bloom? Uh, well, if it's it, it, what she's asking, I believe is it's not necessarily blooming now. It has yeah. bloomed beautifully through this growing season, okay? And it's kind of like you know, if she cuts it back now, is it going to bloom next year? Uh, I think on this cacti, you can cut mm-hmm. it back now, and it would still yeah. bloom next year. Yeah, I would have to because they bloom it? later yeah. in the year, right? So you know? have all that time. <clears throat> Aren't those the ones that are smelly? If you don't cut them back, or the the blooms no, just, are smelling. Yeah, the blooms are. I believe it is. But anyway, it's always after it blooms on anything, really. It's when you should cut back is after it blooms. So in this case, though, in, in, on the cactus, the best case scenario is leave it alone mm-hmm. and cut it back right after it blooms. Is that what you're saying? I mean, because yes. that way you know you're not going to affect the bloom for the next year. Right, right, exactly. Yeah. And it seems like sometimes, I wonder if she has luck with them blooming every every year. Because I hear all kinds of different things about starfish. Like, it's really hard to, and some people say... If the say, conditions are just right, yeah. you might see them blooming. Right. But I remember mom's bloomed, too. Yeah, I remember mother's bloomed, and it's like, that's so beautiful. Does it smell? And she's like, don't get close <laughs> to that and take a whiff, because it smells like bad meat or something. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, it's like crazy. Why would something so beautiful and unique? And I guess that's one of, you know, everything has a defense system. Yeah, you you're know? right. And that's the But, but also... Th- you know, there's pollination is a big thing, okay? I yeah. mean, you've got to have pollination. And some plants, you know, most plants that, that, that flower, you know, they attract bees. Mm-hmm. But it's not just bees out there pollinating. Yeah. There's so many other insects that I pollinate hope. our plants. And if you have a, like a cactus that has a, an awful smell to you and I, mm-hmm. it's going to attract some other type of bug yeah. to pollinate that plant. Uh, it's just amazing. Yeah. All the things that nature does to when it's under stress or, or decaying, you know, nature actually, they, <clears throat> there's a, a different smell that's uh, emitted and insects can smell that of this plant stressing or this one's really healthy, just keep going. Because their goal is to get rid of or eradicate things that are slowly in decline so we don't have a world full of slowly decline plants. And it makes you, you know? just think of lace bug on azaleas. I mean, yeah. you know, can you get lace bug on healthy azaleas? You can, mm-hmm. but typically that doesn't happen. Usually you see lace bug on azaleas that have been way too much sun. 
They've been staying too wet. They've been staying too dry. Something's mm-hmm. wrong. They're weaker. Yeah. You know, right. they're more anemic for some reason. So, yeah, just like you said, Veda, it's almost like an attractant to the bug at that mm-hmm. point. Yeah. Yeah. That's you know? a good way to put it. It is. Um, then, let's see, I, we're going to take a how about houseplants in a little bit, but, uh, you know, I like trees of course are just fantastic and i heard i saw a meme or something on facebook if trees were cell phone towers we would have one planted in every yard (laughs) you know and that's just so crazy how we just but like trees absorb the carbon dioxide um of course uh it creates shade reduces energy uh, which also reduces waste heat from air conditioning. How many times have you and I that? said, of course, how many times have you and I said a strategically planted tree mm-hmm. will save you tons of money? Let me just put it that way. It really does. Yeah. When it comes to your, uh, you know, your light, gas, and water bill. Mm-hmm. Because, I mean, there again, I've got a tulip poplar on the front of my house. Yeah. Uh, and, and, you know, the house faces the cold, but it faces dead west. Veda, if that tree wasn't there, that house would melt and catch mm-hmm. on fire. I'm telling you. <laughs> yeah, it no, just would. Right? I mean, that's how it would just, yeah. it would absorb all of that heat. Mm-hmm. And I can't imagine, you already know what the Light Guys and Water Bills did this year, what it would have been without that one tree. Yeah. And, just you know, one now, tree. And do I like the tree? No, I hate mm-hmm. the tree. The tree is really too big for the, for the pie shaped yard that it's in. But now, what it does for me, yeah. it's worth a million dollars. Right. And you really don't hate the tree. You just hate it in the place it's in. Exactly. Yeah, you know, I, I had love to, the tree. You right. know, I had to tell the uh, the tree whisperer, Wes <laughs> Hopper, about the tree in your front yard. He, he was almost speechless. Yeah. He was like, that's like. One of the tallest trees. <laughs> yeah, it's one of the biggest trees around here. It needs an open pasture. But you be... didn't plant it. I did not, yeah. but I wanted to cut it down when I first moved in there. My yeah. wife was like, no, we need that tree because mm-hmm. our house faces there again dead west. Yeah, I agree. I so wouldn't cut it down. And um, and that seems like that's crazy. Like that's one of our big selling points of a tree is how much it shades the house. But what about the simple fact of how it makes you feel? True. I mean, it's energy. You can hear the wind through the leaves. You can watch the wildlife, the birds, the hummingbirds. Just makes you feel good also. I mean, think about it. Go stand in the front yard in the full sun <laughs> and see how you feel versus the shade absolutely you know in terms of everything your your well-being but also keep in mind that trees are living organisms okay they're like any other plant sometimes they do take some tender love and care okay mm-hmm. and that's why there are arborists out there so uh, you know if we've got a problem with the tree and inv- uh, eventually we will you know yeah. trees get old like we do um, but and there are tree surgeons and there are people that cut trees down and there's arborists that come out and take looks at take a look at trees yeah. and then just us as the homeowner I mean we can you know typically when we feed our lawn we're feeding the tree also uh, but also during periods of really drought Veda like we had mm-hmm. this year when we water our lawns if we're doing that hopefully we are from time to time we're also watering the tree so it's also on our part to take care of these trees that we have Mm -hmm. on our landscape, in our landscape. Yeah, it is. It keeps the ground below us cool. And then um, it, uh, the water, of course, or the tree takes up the water from the ground and releases it through the surface of their leaves. And so that creates cooling air around it too. I mean, it's so different. And, and then some of you don't want some of you. I hear that we don't want to plant a tree because, 
I mean, it's bizarre, but it's going to take too long to grow to do anything. But that's not true. Mm-hmm. Even if you can get the tree up to shade the windows, which is not many years, a no. couple of years, you know. And I mean, I see trees grow double in five years. Yeah, I was talking to a guy the other day. He wanted to know, he wanted to plant an oak tree. And I explained to him there's so many different varieties of oaks out there. It's just a matter of preference on what oak that you want to plant. And he said, well, I want the one that has leaves that look like a willow tree. And I said, well, it's a willow oak, right? It has little slender leaves on it. Uh, And he was like, well, how fast does it grow? Are they like really slow growing? Mm And it's, the answer is no. Yeah, now, no. they're not as fast as a pine tree, per se, mm-hmm. but they're not as slow as like a ginkgo tree. I yeah. mean, oak trees, <laughs> just because they get so big, yeah. you know, we think it takes forever for them to get, you know, that size. Well, it takes forever to get huge, right. but they're still moderately their... fast growers. Right, yeah, you're not <laughs> actually trying to shade a apartment building. You're only trying to shade your house and yeah the water actually the water oak in this one location has grown faster than the bald cypress however the bald cypress has to go through the drier conditions which it doesn't uh, affect the willow oak as much as it does a bald cypress without water so that may be why it hasn't peaked out taller than the other one but if you you know if you take care of them and water is needed and use some good fertilizers they i mean they're going to grow now, you drive around Memphis or Shelby mm-hmm. County. I mean, we're probably the oak tree capital of the world. Yeah. I mean, we it's probably are. I mean, there are other beautiful trees, don't get me wrong. I mean, maples grow a little faster to me than an oak does. Uh, but I mean, there are more oaks around here than anything. Yeah. And so it's, you know, red oaks, white oaks and everything in between. So, yeah, I mean, we should always plant a tree and and think about it also. The trees, a lot of the trees that we're enjoying right now, mm-hmm. they were planted by someone else many years ago. Yeah, those big, huge <laughs> trees. Um, there are, like, ginkgo's a large tree, but it's not as wide as oak trees, obviously. So really, you can use a ginkgo in a small yard. Absolutely, you can. Yeah. And they are very slow growing. So it's going to mm-hmm. take a, you're going to enjoy the smaller size of that ginkgo, whether you want to or not, right. for have, a long time. And oh my gosh, the fall color is amazing. I haven't checked now, down the street to see if the ginkgos are starting their fall color. I haven't seen any uh, turn <laughs> like now. I did, coming back from the coast, Fade, through central Alabama, I noticed some trees, uh, I don't know if there were sycamores or whatever, where I could see a little fall color because mm-hmm. it caught my eye. Yeah. But it, that was about the only place that I noticed uh, some of the fall color. So we're still a little early now. We'll all have to wait and see, uh, you know, how colorful this yeah. fall is going to be mm-hmm. with the growing season that we've gone through. Now, if it stays in, it's entirely too dry, you know, it's not going to be as pretty. No. I am hoping that that rain that we had in September, yeah. it was a good rain that maybe they were able to get enough moisture to have some decent fall color. Well, we'll see. Yeah, I'm hoping for that for sure. We've got to have trees, though. All right, we're going to head to a break quickly, and then um, we'll come back and talk about houseplants, I keep saying. We'll be right back.
Good morning, gardeners, and welcome back to Mid-South Garden. I'm Veda with Palladio. She is, and I'm Kenneth with Dan West Garden Centers. Two wonderful places to go visit any day of the week, Miss Veda. right. You can have a good time. Independent garden centers are fun. Oh, yeah, it's best yeah. places. Because we just know you when you come in. Um, so Mary Deaton sent oh, yeah. a, a text ahead. in on the Mighty 990 Facebook page, which anybody can do. It's a Mighty 990 Facebook page. If you want to give us a call, 260-5926. And then, of course, later on, kwinradio.com, you can listen to the podcast. But Veda, uh, Mary Deaton said, my neighbor had to cut his big tree down. Mm. I dread next summer, no shade anymore. And we hear that and see that all the time. Yes, we do. Oh, my gosh. I've always wondered what would I do in that situation. And there's really not much you can do (sighs) because now I would say if you're going to have the sun blaring in your windows after the trees came down, that I would put like, and it could be even six feet, three feet from the windows, a stand-up trellis. Like a latticework or trellis or something. And then it's only going to take, you know, a couple of months for your vines to climb up. And when you've got that trellis, it's totally shaded. When that sun hits that trellis, it's shading your house. Speaking from experience, our trees weren't big enough. And so that helped so much. And then you got to watch the wildlife and the vines and all. And then, of course, you're planting a tree on your in your property to eventually have a tree to, you know, to shade. Uh, but you know, with yeah, so many yeah, times, do that at the same time. We Good hear, point. and I told the story. I think even here on the show, Veda, where uh, a, a gentleman had moved away. Anyway, mm-hmm. I'm in this house here. You're yeah. my neighbor. Okay? okay, you move away. Yeah, and before the new neighbors move in. They had 13 trees cut down in the backyard. <gasps> Remember that? Like, yes, yes. And, and then it really, yeah, I mean, they have the right to do that. Uh-huh. Don't get me wrong. But it really severely affected my landscape. Yes. So I went from a shaded landscape that I'd been working on for years to create mm-hmm. a shaded garden landscape. <sighs> Overnight, that shade yeah. is gone. That's so devastating. Or you know, people who lose their trees in Hurricane Elvis. Or, or uh, <laughs> yeah. that's funny. That's what we call it in Memphis is Hurricane Elvis. Yes. But, uh, you know, we lost big trees that way. And so your shade garden is just gone. And then you've got to totally change over to. And then you're trying to match things that you had in your shade garden, but trying to use sun things, which nowadays the azaleas that were always needing a lot of shade, they've come out with the encores that can take almost full sun sometimes Mm -hmm. long as you have good soil, fertilize it well, Mm -hmm. and water it well. So, you know, we can get away with the azaleas. And then there's the limelight that loves full sun. The hydrangea. So you could kind of duplicate. Well, but but yeah, we can. But we had our landscape established, you know, for shade. And then all of a sudden it's all burning up because it's not getting the shade anymore. Well, that's an investment, too. It is. It is. So, but I mean, you know, I've always talked about garden etiquette. You know, yeah. you know, whether I have wind chimes that are keeping you up all night, mm-hmm. you know, that's not right, right. Right. Exactly. Whether I've got spotlights, for some reason, I like blaring in your house. Uh-huh. You know, it does it? Yeah. that's not right. And it's not right for me to go in there and cut all my trees down with at least saying something to my neighbor. Right. Right. Exactly. You know, so when I start talking well, about garden etiquette. Yeah, that's it. Well, that's one of the things Wes, the um, arborist, had said is get, talk to your neighbor, get per- written 
permission or just written that that it's been discussed i'm taking limbs off your tree or you know especially if your tree's right on that property line uh-huh. but whatever whenever you're taking a tree down just let your neighbor know you know i would because you know, I, really, I would honestly it's I mean, so i remember when my mother lived in uh the condos and she was able to grow two good-sized trees um well one was actually there it was a big cedar tree and it covered the front windows and the homeowners association kept wanting her to take it down even though it was there and it wasn't obtrusive anything but for some reason they wanted it down so like the week after she passed away they came up there and just chopped the tree gone. gone and the whole environment changed Mm -hmm. the whole feel of indoors and the Mm -hmm. house changed it was so stark so hot and saddening but um i sure didn't think a week after that that it was so like vindictive it seemed just like that next day basically yeah yeah, it was just gone but anyway but like i said everybody has the right to cut a tree down i'm not saying you never have a right you surely Mm -hmm. do and some trees have to come down they need to come down to be quite honest with you but just to go in there and just, I don't know, it just to cut 13 trees down mm-hmm. that were completely healthy just yeah. because they're trees. Right, right. And, you know, yeah, I want to grow grass just like the other person. Trust mm-hmm. me. In my backyard, I've got, you know, some landscaping, but I don't have big trees in my backyard. Yeah. Um, so I, I get it, Veda, but, you know, I, I still think just the courteous knock on the door, hey, guys, look, I'm going to cut all my trees yeah. down in my backyard. I just want y'all to be prepared. Yeah, they don't want to hear us go, no, no, you can't. <laughs> Maybe not. Well, and then on top, why would you have to take all of them out? Because if you took even oh, half, half you can still have beautiful grass. You can, yeah. and then you could, like, limb up or, or trim the others to make it work. But anyway, so we'll go back to something <clears throat> more controlled environment, and that's in the house. Yeah, house and that plants. would be plants that we grow in the house mm-hmm. called house plants. Yeah. And I don't have a house plant of the week this year, uh, yeah. this week, a house uh-huh. plant of the week this week, right? Yeah, yeah, that's right. I like the ring of fire. That is a philodendron. Is it a philodendron? It's a nice song by Johnny yeah, Cash. Yeah, right, it? isn't it? I know. And the ring of fire, it looks green with a little bit of orange on the foliage. But then when some of the new growth comes out, it's a uh, more orange like a like a fire so it's called ring of fire i was like oh that's perfect for memphis now does that does the it's always going to be some variegation mm-hmm. in that plant it, it's not right. like it only comes out with the new growth yeah. that color right right there's always some variegation in and of course the more the brighter the light the, the more, more variegation color. you see yeah. yeah now it can go in a little darker areas but then the less the color and that's one of those collector plants mm-hmm. that you you know, it's in a four-inch container, and four-inch containers of plants are like nine ninety-nine. Yeah. you know. But this one is much more expensive. But the thing is, is people want to order stuff offline because it's uh, cheaper. But no, you these house plants th- online are sometimes unreal more expensive. Two to three times more expensive yeah. than, you're right, and than, then you're than getting, your local garden center yeah, has. That's and then right. you're getting a little cutting. So, and then there's the one I think was one of yours for the plant of the house plant of the week, which was the pink princes. Love, love it. it. And, yeah. and, the, and the reason those, call, like you said, a collector plant and the mm-hmm. reason that one costs more than your typical house plant, remember, Veda, is because they take those only from tissue culture. That's yeah. the way that plant is created. Mm-hmm. And let's say you do 100 tissue cultures, you might get 10 
that actually has the pink variegation. Right. You know, out of all that work that you've done, so 10 of them out of 100 have the pink. So that's why, you know, we would never think, why does this one cost Mm -hmm. more than a typical philodendron? But it's because of the the way that that we get the plant. Uh Exactly. And then all these alocasias that are coming out. There's so many different colors of the alocasias for indoors. Now, when someone says alocasia, mm-hmm. what, it makes me think of what? Elephant, elephant ears? ears? Yes. Yeah. And these are smaller. Well, they could get huge, but alocasias are becoming a big thing in uh, the houseplant category. And you would want to buy a bright window south, east window. Uh, they need to stay moist. You know, so alocasia is a good new one. And that would be mm-hmm. some that have thicker leaves, yeah. you know, thicker ears, shiny, shiny uh-huh. ears, uh, you know, venated, mm-hmm. uh, where the veins in the ears yeah. are really pronounced. Is that a word, venated? I doubt it, you know. That, you were sounding so intelligent. But I doubt it, you know. Venated. But, I got to look that up. But you know I what like I mean, But you know word. what I mean, though. Yeah, I know exactly, right. But but you're right. Uh-huh. I mean, they in in. We're not talking about the massive, you know, elephant ears mm-hmm. that grow outdoors. Yeah. These are more of a houseplant type <laughs> Right, the size and all, because they're small ones. But so then we just went like through some collector plants, but low light easy plants are like the aglonemia, mm-hmm. philodendrons. They can take, it's like, okay, these can take people that don't understand anywhere from high light to low light. If it's high light, you get big leaves. If it's low light, your leaves are smaller. But it's still just, it's still healthy. Exactly. So, you know, it's just kind of the look. And then the pothos, you know, if you want to eat yeah. something that's more viney type. Uh-huh. Then that'll, that can go low light and easy. Snake plant and the Z plant, Z-Z, very easy. Yeah. yeah, the ZZ plant. Those are easy as well. <laughs> easy, easy. <laughs> spath, you know, spaths. We have the spath supreme that the leaf is four feet long and two feet wide. Which is your it's, funeral plant. I mean, yeah. it's the peace lily. That, right, <clears throat> but these don't look like your traditional. Right, the, the foliage plant, is much different. As they call it, yeah. And then there's a philodendron that has. Thin leaves and kind of a bluish color now. So, so many houseplants out there that I never even knew existed. I know, or nobody was ever interested in them before. And uh, there's like peperomias and... Oh, What's, there's so many, so many textures and colors for indoors. And actually, I learned a huge amount from the younger kids oh, yeah. on the house plants. They're just in, just And then, going you know, it. last, or two weeks ago, Veda, when I was here, you know, the Audrey uh, ficus. Yeah, yeah. You know, and, you know, there's the old-fashioned ficus tree that you and I mm-hmm. grew up with that, yeah. you, you know, you didn't want to look at it because they'd start dropping leaves. Right, right. You know, you surely <laughs> didn't want to move it yeah. because it'd drop every leaf. And then the fiddle leaf fig came on, and mm-hmm. that was the big, you know, leafed yeah. ficus tree that was in every magazine, still mm-hmm. is on every page you turn. Yeah. But this Audrey fig, I'm telling you, I don't know if it's because it's new to me, but uh-huh. I love it. It I mean, does I like endure. the foliage. I, I love everything uh-huh. about it. I do, too. All right, well, we'll run to a break real quick, and we'll be right back. Good morning. Welcome back to Mid-South Garden. So we were talking about the ficus trees and all that. We have a ficus tree that was 10 feet tall, Mm -hmm. maybe 11 feet tall. (laughs) That's a big ficus. It is big. And the uh, wife came in. I noticed a wife. She came in and bought the tree. Yeah, loved it. And so uh, 
but she says her husband will come back pick it up. They've got a bigger car. Like, okay, he probably has a large expedition or something. Or a, or a big truck or yeah. something. And so he walks in and he goes, I'm here to get the ficus tree. I'm in the I, Volkswagen out there, the little bug. Yeah. <laughs> I showed him the tree and he goes, oh, she said it was like six feet tall. <laughs> six, 11, what's the difference? I know, I know. But we actually was able to get it in there Carefully. nicely. Yeah, because you could wrap it. And you can put it in the front seat, lay all your seats down, <laughs> yes. and it. But it's or they'll buy it, and and I go, okay, do you, uh, I'll call somebody up to load it in the car, and they'll they'll go. Oh, I didn't even think about how uh, that's going to yes, fit in is. my car. And delivery's really difficult because you've got to wrap it, and it's going to go in the back of the truck. We don't have like a van that you deliver in, so. Uh, but it's amazing the the plants that we've put, like you just said, Veda, in cars that. You scratch your head like, how did we ever get yeah. this plant in that car? Exactly. Or how about somebody was looking at house plants and there was one that had a yellow leaf. We just got them in. And she was like, well, this has a yellow leaf. You know, can I trust this or whatever? And I said, okay, think about this. Mm. They're in a greenhouse in Florida. so they, They're yanked out of that greenhouse. Right. Then they're sleeved, paper around them. Then they're sitting in a holding bay mm-hmm. until the truck gets there. Did then it? they're smushed together on the truck. Then they're unloaded in our garden center. Then we unsleeve them and, you tell them, and put them out. And you see one yellow leaf. Yeah, one Thank yellow goodness leaf. goodness, that's all we yeah, see. Yeah, exactly. And then one thing, too, is like since the houseplants are grown in Florida under, you know, just great conditions and more bright light, when we bring them in at first, they're going to lose some foliage. They are, absolutely. Because we're switching light conditions. I mean, even though... We can we try to mimic the same conditions that they mm-hmm. want to grow in. Okay, yeah. you know more sun than shade or good mm-hmm. light. Uh, they like you've always said the same type of potting soil, mm-hmm. a good potting soil that has organic matter, yeah. but it drains yeah. at the same time. I right. mean, you know, so we're always trying to mimic where it naturally mm-hmm. grows. Yeah, and like our soils for indoor house plants is definitely a lighter soil than for our container gardens outside um, for our landscape so there is a difference in your house plant soil to use because we because being inside it doesn't pull the moisture like normally it would outside Mm -hmm. so water may sit a little longer in the root ball because you're indoors and then even some of these house plants uh and the ladies that work around the house plants know really more about them than i do veda uh but you know a lot about these things even some of these house plants won't uh, dechlorinated water. Yeah. You know, right. you don't want to use just water right out of the tap. Mm-hmm. I'm like, what? Yeah. You know, we can't just use tap water. Right. On the, most of them, you absolutely yeah. can. But there are a few that mm-hmm. you want to use uh, dechlorinated water yeah. on them. Right. And then the other good thing about being in Memphis is our water is better than a lot of places. Oh, yeah. So that sure helps it. But you know, one thing I have to say, as much as I talk about watering, and I'm really good at watering seeing plants that need it before they need it but i have to absolutely use a moisture meter in our building well we have tons of house plants anyway so if you keep putting your finger in there to see if they're wet or dry you you lose yeah you lose your sense of feel right that's so true but there was the audrey ficus no it was the monoclare monoclean ficus and oh my gosh it looked so 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 dry I am definitely knowledgeable enough mm-hmm. to know that's dry. Mm-hmm. 
But I got the moisture meter. Stuck it down in there. Stuck it in there, and it registered wet. I'll be darned. So I go back and get another moisture meter. I'm like, this just can't be. Because I can't Because of what I'm seeing right here, it doesn't appear that it's wet by any means. Yeah, exactly. And I can't lift it up out of the container to check the root ball, so the moisture meter's perfect. So the next one said it was wet, but the top was so dry looking. But sure enough, it, it didn't need really... Water no, like so it, like waited. like you thought it would yeah, have. Yeah, exactly. So I, because plants perform differently indoors and outdoors. Outdoors, if you see it dry like that, it's dry the whole way through. And uh, and and how many times do we hear that people overwater their house plants? They yeah, know. that's the thing. Yeah. Usually, I, I, it, it happens. Mm-hmm. I man, I understand. Yeah, you know, because we're always we're trying to do the right thing. We're killing our plants with ten to eleven care mm-hmm. is what we're doing. And then also sometimes, you know, you have inadequate drainage. We're watering the way we should, but it's just not draining the way it should. So ideally is whether, you know, yeah, the light means a lot that we're using, the type Mm -hmm. of fertilizers, all that's important. But the container that it's in and the soil that it's in, Mm -hmm. of course, but you got to have good drainage. A lot of times if we're overwatering, which we all do, yeah. if you've got really good drainage and you've got soil that drains the way it should, mm-hmm. we can kind of get away with it. Yeah, right. Yeah, we can kind of get away with it. That's true. Because we, um, so if it's not overwatered, then we let it go on the dry side, but then it seems to stay on the dry side too many days. Mm-hmm. But but the plant won't show it a lot of times. It's really dry. It can still last a couple of days. And then it starts dropping all the leaves. Right, right. Or if we're keeping it, we somehow we tend to be able to keep them right on that edge of dry, and we get it watered before it starts dropping leaves. But then when I t- tell them, Bump up the water on these yes. just a little. These don't need to go that dry. And, you know, throw some fertilizer, some warm castings yeah. in there, too, uh, because we're just kind of stressed it from letting it go way too dry. And so they bumped up the water, add some fertilizer, and in a week, the plant grew like four inches. But wouldn't you, you know? overall, though, rather see people slightly underwater mm-hmm. than grossly Absolutely. overwater? Absolutely. You know, and yeah. that's, I think that's true on most of the house plants that we mm-hmm. buy. Yeah, we don't want any of them to get completely bone dry, Yeah, you know, especially for extended periods. But I always tell people, if you're ever going to err on one side or the other, I would definitely try to err on the side of slightly underwatering mm-hmm. than yes. the overwatering. Yeah, totally agree with it there. So, uh, yeah, that makes us not have such a huge panic. But then there are some of them that do not want to be too wet or too dry at the I same know. time. There's some easier than others, no doubt. And if you if you mess up one, four, four, five times a year, maybe, you know, it doesn't totally trash the plant, but more times than not, if you could keep it at the right. And like our moisture meter has, it doesn't have every plant, but our moisture meter has a lot of plants that tell you what. On the, the paperwork that comes with yeah, it. Yeah, tells you like this one. It needs one to be needs at three. To, this yeah. one needs to be at two, you know. Right, exactly. And then I've got uh, started reading a houseplant book, which I thought I'd never do. It's got more pictures, though, than uh, words. Yeah, so, yeah I understand. I like it. Now it's getting categorized. We have the bookshelf plants. We have the bathroom plants. We have the bedroom plants. You know, they're, they're all becoming categorized in different areas. That's awesome. 
I know it's it's amazing. The kitchen, the kitchen windowsill plants. Yeah, you know, yeah, exactly. And I tell you what, African violets—they just need to be in the east window. Yeah, that's just where they go. Just, just do it. They just work so much better in there, and uh, more fertilizer than not. Yeah, on some. Yeah, yeah you're right. Yeah. Uh, and let me say this real quick. Um, Diane Lines, another listener, she said, please. Review process for returning houseplants inside after summer vacation outside. Mm-hmm. Yes. Well, um, you're right. I like to have them And I know we, we might not even have enough time. I know. Clean them up and add worm castings, and you can put a systemic in the soil. A granulated systemic yeah. uh, product that will kill the insects that you're right. bringing in from yeah. outside. But you're saying mostly, Veda, clean them up. Take the time mm-hmm. to clean them up. Cut all the defunct tissue yeah. out of there. Feed them a little bit. Right. And then put a little layer of earthworm castings. Mm -hmm. And then water less inside than you did outside. Yeah, and we'll go over this more next week also. Good question. And y'all, enjoy talking to y'all and have a really good, safe week. And we will see you next weekend in the garden.